evening. Hello. Hello, sir. Just getting myself turned around here. Please do turn turn that beat around. I just uh, I just finished chicking uh, chicking chasing chickens. <laughs> okay. I Did have you to. Get them? Yeah, I have to. Sh- I have to shoo them into their their uh, their little run at night. They they don't want to go inside it. They want the freedom of the outdoors, but the problem with the freedom of the outdoors is in the morning they walk around at five thirty in the morning going, buck 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 buck. And as you uh, collect them, uh, they say, "What part of free range don't you get?" <laughs> That's right. That's what they do. And start around. I'm free range. Buck 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 buck. But uh, the neighbors, they have never complained to us. We have like the most wonderful neighbor neighbors in the world because they really could be like throwing rocks at us if they wanted to, but they don't. But I just feel bad at 5.30 in the morning on a Saturday morning that our chickens are walking around outside making a big no- bunch of noise. So. Well, it probably is. I mean, to some people, it's soothing. I, when I, <laughs> who, who is this lunatic? I want to meet them. I, you know, it sounds very farmy. It's nice. Uh, I had two thoughts. One, I pictured you going over to tell your neighbors, you know, just check on your neighbors and see they're both actually foxes. <laughs> this is like in human clothes looking like, you know, fantastic Mr. Fox. And just like, yeah, yeah. what? Oh, they say they got chickens over there. What? Yeah, they got chickens. Oh, no, that's good to know. Um, we have to leave now and then shut the door. And then your chickens go missing. Um, or when uh, when I was living in England, we lived next to a rooster. And that guy was just a son of a bitch. That guy was just an asshole. Yeah. So loud all day. It's like it's not dawn anymore, man. We don't it, need to know it. But you know what? Chickens also cock-a-doodle do like a rooster. Yeah, this was a rooster. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I mean... Uh, female chickens also also make the same noise. It doesn't just take a rooster to oh, okay. like our our roosters cockadoodle do. That's why I, I put them in the I put them into the coop at night now and and close the door. So then they think it's night, even when it's bright. Yeah, we, bright we, would, we would always get the yeah we always get the cockadoodle do in the morning a couple of times. Yeah, I don't know where the snooze button is, but brother, I wish I, I wish I found it. And <laughs> it, it, there was also a train that would go by, and I think the train would oh. startle the. The rooster, and so he cockadoodle at the uh, at the train. <laughs> he's just and you think like yeah. over time, and maybe he thinks every time it's like, oh, here comes this guy. He's going to try and eat me. I'm going to cockadoodle do him. Yeah, you better run. Yeah. And so he goes like, this is working because there <laughs> goes my enemy. He didn't stop. Yeah. So I better do this every time. And yeah. the train ran often, <laughs> so that was not uh, great. Bark, 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 bark. And Shut he, that chicken up. And he cockadoodle with a British accent too. So it was just like <laughs> I don't even know what he's saying. It was just so thick. It was go oh, yeah. It left off. Uh, it was cockadoodle do. Yep, that was basically it. Do oh do. Like, what? Where did? What happened to all the middle syllable? All the middle middle consonants. Um, I know we usually do a, a loosey goosey chin wag here for a while. Yeah. Uh, I just I just want to do this for uh, for our uh, listener and friend Nina Matsumoto. Yeah. Uh, do, do, do you mind just running the the title song now? Because last week we did it about three quarters of the way through the show yeah. and it drove her nuts. Yeah. So let's just run it so yeah. that she can. No, I'm not going to run it now. Oh my god. We're just going to keep on going. Okay. Uh, Nina, I tried. Here's what I'm going to recommend. You know what the song actually is, right? We're going to say what the song is. Um, just go on to whatever your uh, Spotify, your Amazon, yeah. whatever way uh, you know you, you listen to music. Play that song right now just for yourself. Sure. And just pretend that this the episode has, has yeah. started. Yeah. Because it might go something like this. 
the start of episode 494. Wow. An episode with two fours in it. Yeah. And in the middle of that, a nine. Huh? Yeah. So there you go. That's how you remember it. That, that is four and four is nine if yeah. you don't do math good. It's something. I wonder if it's something multiplied by 11. If that would work. Uh, 494. Well, we, we have to watch every schoolhouse rock, and we have not that time for that. <laughs> what? What a world. Yeah. It's uh, it's the episode, when you're in heaven, you meet the 11, and then it, it multiplies like the much higher up numbers than, you know, 1 to 12. Yeah. Do you know what? I just happen to have here something I've owned since I was uh, in grade 8. A bad attitude. Uh, <laughs> that and this Texas Instruments solar calculator. Oh, I like that, because again, it's got the accent. That's right. Four and four. I don't know. Well, you think you're better than me? Blam! And then it's just, uh, where did that bullet come from? I just wanted to satisfy myself, 494 is not divisible by 11, so. Okay. It's 44.9. Texas Instruments Calculators, Mm -hmm. uh, a product that was uh, sold by Bill Cosby. Most people, when they go for their Bill Cosby commercials... Uh, they will go for a Kodak. They will go for a Coca-Cola. They will go for a Jello, but they will not go for a Texas Instruments <laughs> computer and or ca- calculator. And yet, Bill Cosby was the <clears throat> spokesman for that, and now isn't. Uh, but not just because he's in jail, but because they don't really have those anymore. I don't, I don't even know if Texas Instruments exists anymore. Does it? I don't even know if Texas exists anymore. Maybe it does. I mean, I think I think like kids still have to get scientific calculators for for math class so i guess i guess someone's still producing them but i don't know who who that would be you think that texas instruments is still on top of the game i don't know i don't know i don't know who makes those calculators anymore you're you're right there is absolutely no way of knowing if they still (laughs) exist you've answered my query thank you very much yeah this is not a scientific calculator though this is a, a simpler this is a simple one with with just um it doesn't do cosines and tangents, which was what you were, what you needed your scientific calculator for in, in high school. This right. is just a simple, simple calculator with, that, that does do like it does have the little. Uh, is it for square root? The square rootinator, mm-hmm. whatever that is, and then it has a percentage thingy, and then a lot of memory functions, which I, I've never successfully used. And then if you hit uh, the word sin, it will uh, tell you a sin. It'll be like there's uh, no no murder. You'd and only then find like, okay, and then adultery. And it's like uh, masturbation. I'm like, okay. Once again, to be able to get those sin is something that you find on a scientific calculator. This is not a scientific calculator. This does no, not do. This does not do cosines or tangents. It's all right. Well, as long as there's a button for blocking a joke, sure. That's also good. <laughs> the you this... see, technically, that is not what is on the computer. <laughs> if it was, then it would work. Is it now? Of course, that would a real one would have that either, Dave. Unless it was a religious, uh, that'd be interesting. It's a religious calculator, so yeah. it's only got like if sin have, and, and ten. That's the number right. ten is on there, and sin. They do that, and a commandment comes up. Each <laughs> oh, that's what that little uh, symbol's for. That looks like a bracket. It's right. a commandment, and and the maximum it goes up to is six thousand, because that's the <laughs> highest number there is. So yeah, this this I use for my fan when I did fanzines. This did all my uh, per, all my percentages for reductions. <laughs> So when oh, I did, that's cool. So when I had things that I had to fit onto pages, I would, you know, I would have to like amass all the page, all the things I needed to to shrink down, because it was like such a long bus trip to get to the the photocopying shop. Because mm-hmm. the only really good one was in New Westminster at that time. So I'd have to go all the way over to New, either ride my bike to New Westminster or take the bus there. I'll tell you something I was able to do when I was twelve yep. quite well. Okay. 
uh, and I, I now cannot. Uh, well, two things. One, stand on my head on concrete. I could do that at any point. Just boom, upside down. No problem. Boom, done. Um, two, I'll work an abacus. Really? You could work an abacus? Oh, I could work an abacus like nobody's business. I was really good at it. Yeah. Wow. A good proper abacus. I mean, not a super crazy abacus. Yeah, yeah. But like a decent, not a kid's abacus. But like a decent abacus, I could uh, I could whip around and uh, figure stuff out. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I used to have like a little bit of a fascination with math, and then uh, we moved, and I lost my fascination <laughs> with uh, education. So uh, <laughs> on that. That's interesting. I remember reading this book uh, book by Richard Feynman, the the mathematician, and he was talking about being in India and this guy doing this guy doing like algebra on an abacus, which it just it blows my mind because I I can't even do. Algebra on a scientific calculator for math class, which, as we've already established, is not is not used for religious uh, purposes. Well, there's something different. Like you, f- it's much more tactile. Yeah, you know, you're just slapping things around, and then you're you're holding a spot, and it's like, yeah, it's it's you know, it's not a bad it's not a bad way of doing it. If you were teaching a kid math, uh, I would say an abacus is probably a good way to start, like a good basic abacus, because it's something physical. Yeah. And it almost feels like a game, but then you get that, mm, okay. Like, I, I remember I was uh, four. Mm-hmm. I was four years old. I'm thinking, because there's something in this memory that marks it as four. Yeah. Um, and I said to my dad, uh, what's multiplication? And it was like I asked him where babies came from. which was just like, oh, boy. And it was just like, <laughs> oh, this was the thing I shouldn't know. Really? This is something that I should not know. Mm-hmm. And then he, tried, he explained it. To, he was trying to explain it to me, but the confusing thing was, I was like, okay, so like, what's, you know, two times two? And he went, it's four. Oh, so it's, a, it's addition. It's the same thing. Cause I could do that. I'm like, no, it's okay. Uh, and yeah, he just had such a hard time explaining it to me, but I was really wanting to know what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I, I'm going to get ahead of the game. Cause I already knew how to read. And I was like, ah, if I can get math. Yeah. Ha-ha. School will be really boring. Cause I'll still have to do it in school. Yeah. I'll have to really concentrate on napping. And <laughs> time. You didn't realize that when you, yeah, when you were getting problem. ahead of the game, that the game wasn't going to go ahead of you or keep, keep up with you. It was just going to be really slow while everyone caught up to where you'd advanced to. We had here's another thing about uh, kindergarten that was uh, dumb to me. Um, <laughs> we we for kindergarten we had uh, rhythm time, okay, where uh, you know we would have uh, sticks that uh, had uh, sure. grooves in them, and they go, rrr, 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 yeah, yeah, rrr. yeah, and uh, and then one kid a day would get the drum, <laughs> and and he would rotate through, and it'd be like if your day was drum day, I don't care if you were sick, you were showing up. Yeah. You get to bang the drum, and to me, I, I I think retroactively, how much do drums cost? Just give, just get a drum, and then the teacher leaves the room, <laughs> and it's drum time for because it was like five minutes, like drum time for like five minutes, and just like let them beat it out, yeah, let them just go nuts. <laughs> step outside the door. I know you can't stand this sound because you're a human adult, but like step outside of the door. Let them just beat their drums for five minutes. Check in every so often. Make sure no one's bleeding, and then and then you know go back. But everyone gets a drum. Oh, it was so it'd be so good. Did you drum you know, along to a to a record? Uh, yes, I I, mm. I think because we were a Catholic uh, school, a little drummer boy uh, really <laughs> made the rounds come holiday time. And then there was it was usually songs that involved a drum some some okay. way. Okay. There was a drum involved, like talked about mm. in the song. Do you know um, Carmina Bar- Barana or Carmina Barana? 
I know, but this sounds interesting. What is that? That sounds like okay. A, well, first a, a it's femme fatale. First, it's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite puns I ever heard on the radio when I listened. Oh, to hit it. me with it. Okay. Okay. Well, um, just so you know, Carmina Burena is written by a guy named Carl Orff, and so mm-hmm. the the joke was Carmina Bre- Car- Car- Carmina Burana Carmina Burena. Let's Carl the whole thing Orff. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, it was a good joke. Okay. It was a good joke. Yeah. And then they play, but you know it. Do you know that it's a, it, you would re- if I if if I sang it for you, you'd recognize it because it's the one that goes like da 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 do 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 do. Sure, sure, sure. It's yeah, like a big cor- chorus every, of voices. It's in every uh, trailer, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that's Our world, uh, everything. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. That's written by Carl Orff, and I think Orff developed like this this theory of of teaching kids rhythm. And that's what I thought you were going to talk about because there's there was like a I think I have in my house like a collection of 45s that a, t- a kindergarten teacher would play in a classroom and the kids would imitate the rhythms that were pr- reproduced for this system that Carl Orff developed. I could be wrong. I could be confusing him with someone else, but I'm kind of thinking that's that's correct. But as usual, I just like to talk about things off the top of my head and not actually do any research, which okay. I feel is always the best way to get accurate results. But yeah, he um I'm pretty sure it was Orfu who developed this this system of, and there you go. And so it was a you know, for a long time it was felt like I think that's why schools did it when we were younger is because it was it was felt like that was a, a an important part of childhood development was that we learn to you know hit things together. <laughs> the uh, when you were doing the let's call the whole thing off joke, it made me wonder like uh, how old's that song. And uh, that song was first done in 1937 in the film Shall We Dance? Okay, Fred Astaire Fred movie, yeah. Fred Astaire and Ginger, Ginger Rogers, Rogers, yeah. So uh, probably like a Cole Porter song or something. Like that. Uh, it was not a Cole Porter song. Oh. Uh, it was no, that's a that's a good guess. That's a solid guess. Uh, it was a uh, uh, George Gershwin and Ira Gershwin. Damn it! I knew that. I should have guessed that one. I should have. Yeah, should have been didn't. So that's the end of that. Fuck me. Yep. Yep. Uh, go to hell. You go to hell. You didn't know that. You should have <laughs> known that. Come on now. Why didn't you know this? This that? reminds actually. This reminds me of a musical story from grade four when I was in. I was in a class where we we played recorders, which of course is probably the most terrible instrument ever given to children to play, or at least likes to call them tootle phones, which I think is a much better name for them. But. There was also an auto harp that was like sitting there. And so I was like strumming it one day. I said of curiosity because it's kind of neat. You know, you know what an auto harp is? Yes. So I'll just, just sort of describe it so people don't know. It's, it, it's like a small, a smallish, um, harp like or lyre like thing that you kind of hold up and it has yeah. little keys that you depress on it that it will It looks make like someone notes. broke your guitar. <laughs> and then, and then with with an accordion, yeah, part of an accordion, yeah, yeah, or yeah, or you just yeah, you're playing part of a piano that, and so and so the teacher was like, oh, do you want to play that? And I was like, okay, that sounds kind of neat. So then I we got a song to play, and I and then I was just like kind of strumming along. I didn't know how to play it though. I don't know. Maybe she assumed I knew. So I, but I was just like making a racket and then she's like well i'll just take that away from you now and put it over there <laughs> what? Oh. What? i didn't even get a chance you didn't even give me any instructions or anything i just oh i hate that so much i hate that story <laughs> i want to time travel back and i want to take care of that it was oh, boo, boo. in a life at a lifetime of humiliations that was that's one that sticks out strongly many. strongly dislike yeah it was strange 
Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Chan, a teacher I was taller than in grade four. Mm-hmm. You know what's an interesting thing sometimes is I think like uh, I think back on a teacher who was particularly mean, and then mm-hmm. I think like uh, if they were a little bit on the older side, yeah, I think like well they're dead, and I just go oh that's weird. I just killed them in my mind just by thinking about it. They were they were alive in my in in my mind mm. until I just gave it a little bit of thought and I was like, nah, they're they're gone. There's no way. Also, they were a bit of a jerk, so probably someone would have killed them. You know, even if even if time decided not to, they would have said something mean and uh, you know get pushed off a cliff or something like that. That happens to a lot of teachers that get pushed off. Cliffs. I don't I don't think of this teacher as mean actually, but oh good 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 okay that's good. Yeah, I have nothing. I have nothing against, rather than her taking the auto harp away from me. But well, what, you know, what the heck? I mean, well, here's an interesting thing. So, so she took the auto harp away from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, how old were you at the time? Would you say? I don't know. I was in grade four. I have no idea. I, I don't know any ages of, of that. You were you were you were in grade four. So ten yeah, years yeah, old? yeah. Ten, ten, so early eight, early seventies, early seventies. Yeah. So picture this woman who's like in nineteen seventies. She's wearing a nineteen seventies outfit. Yep. Wearing, and she's wearing uh, a dress. Yeah. She's wearing a dress, probably like a turtleneck kind of situation or something. <laughs> um, she's got some kind of necklace on because she can't go bare neck. Probably not pearls, but probably faux pearls. Maybe one bracelet, maybe a big bracelet on her on her wrist, yeah. that kind of thing. Cause she's a teacher. She's got to. Um, Just so you know, and, she was the only Chinese person in the school. Okay. And she made sure of that? <laughs> That's right. She, yeah, if other Chinese kids showed up, she just showed them the door. That would be that would be something in her contract. She would not allow. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Um, but just eye. picture her. But just picture her and just go like, you want to be a teacher. I yeah. did want to be. A teacher. You want to inspire kids. Uh huh. I certainly do. Okay, so you just took this kid's auto heart. And let me tell you something. <laughs> in the year two thousand and twenty-one, yeah. there will be a thing called a podcast. <laughs> oh, where could you hear that? All over the world. Anybody can hear this. It's on the internet. Well, what's that mean? Anyone can listen to it anywhere. For how much? Free. Oh, my gosh. And uh, what will they be talking about? They'll be talking about the time you took his auto art. What? <laughs> In 2021? It will yes. St- it will still rankle. Yeah, it will still rankle this grown man. <laughs> this grown adult man. Let's grown adult. Let's not get carried away. Beloved man. Respected man, a father, a pillar of the community. He'll help you move. He'll help you move. He's got more than one podcast. Wait, He's done. Did you say growing man? How come I'm wearing an Oscar the Grouch medal? It's weird. Oh, well, because grown men can. Well, Oscar was a grown man. Was he? He was an adult. He wasn't a child. Oh, if he was a child living in a garbage can alone, that would be horrible. <laughs> right? I guess, I guess he was a grown adult living by choice in a garbage can. Yes, that was his choice. Mm-hmm. He was a, he was the type of monster who would live in a garbage can. Absolutely. I was yeah. very I was very pleased I got an Oscar the Grouch medal today. Why don't you explain to me what, how how you got an Oscar the Grouch medal? Well, today at work was Staff Appreciation Day because we made we had a, a, an incredible month of sales, and so our our new our new um, branch manager is very much one of those team guys and likes to talk about how we're all a team and, and it's all working together and the office staff and the people in the work in the back we all we're all one together in this on this team and teams can't be teams without goals in case you didn't know that you have okay. to have goals and targets to be a team and so we met our target and so we got staff appreciation day and hey i'm not complaining because i got to go home early on a friday 
earlier than normal on a Friday on a long weekend. So hey, that's great. So um, so yeah. So but when I walked in the door, there was balloons that are our company color balloons. So like silver and blue. And I was like, oh, and I kind of laughed when I saw that. I thought that's nice. That's cute. And then there was a bunch of like little banner setups that said Staff Appreciation Day. And I thought, oh, that's that's also very nice. This is kind of fun. And then I went to where I the time cards are to you know to swipe in for the day. And then hanging on my t- on mine and everyone else's time cards were little medals with Sesame Street characters on them. Aww. And mine was Oscar the Grouch. So I was super pleased because I love Oscar the Grouch. And other people other people didn't have ones that were quite as uh, I don't know. I'm sure they were so so with them, but you know. I have Oscar the Grouch is good. Yeah. yeah, he's best. So I was yeah, super pleased. Uh, In fact, I probably I'm would just, have stolen someone else's and taken it for myself. I'm just looking now at uh, NPR did a um, a ranking. Yep. Uh, of the uh, recently of the 21 best Muppets of oh. uh, all time. This includes all Muppets. <laughs> 21 best Muppets. 25 best. Muppets. Oh, 25. Gee. It's okay. from 2021. Is the uh, oh okay so, so pretty recent. So it's very recent. So you know, like, uh, like so Kermit isn't even at the top anymore. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you, Oscar. I'm going to give you what Oscar is. Okay. Uh, Oscar is number thirteen. Huh. I Oscar think that, I think that's too. 13. I think that's too low. To oh, be, you think that's too low? Yeah, I'm to be quite honest with you. I would put him higher. Okay, and of course, look, Kermit's number one. Look, we're not yeah, fooling yeah. nobody. Kermit, clearly number one. He's great. Kermit's great. And I'm just curious if you have any uh, interest in guessing. Uh, the, uh, some of the top 10 uh, Muppets. As, sure, as sure. The show. Sure, sure. I do a little one of these as a warm-up to start things off. <laughs> okay. It's, an, you know, it's um, a conversation starter. Here's the thing. I, there's someone I know who's somewhat famous. I'll, I'll tell you that. Right. They're somewhat famous, but they're somewhat famous doing something where you... Oh, they're a writer. Okay, they're a famous writer. Okay. And, and they're a little socially awkward. So what they will do when they sit down at a table with you and other people is they will basically ask you a question that would be from like a how to win friends and influence people thing. Uh, you know, it's almost like they would sit down. A getting and just to know like, you question. A getting to know you question. It's just like, okay, you're stuck in an airport. What two things do you want? And it's just like, oh, all right. And you got to like think of what the two things you would want that would comfort you for a very long period of time at an airport. Like a book? What book? Uh, like a like a, a CD? What CD? This is a long time ago. Uh, when I had CDs. <laughs> okay. So um, this is kind of what I'm doing. It's a little warm up thing. So uh, yeah, top. Let's go top ten for uh, you know uh, Muppets. These can be any Muppet from any Muppet type of show that okay. involves the Muppets. Um, so Kermit number one. Kermit number one. Kermit number one. Okay. Uh, man, I, I kind of want to say Miss Piggy number two. You want to say Miss Piggy? Oh, I'm going way down. Miss Piggy is uh, number eight. Really? She is uh, number eight. Uh, And the NPR uh, folks think this is bullshit, and she should have uh, ranked higher. Uh, You know, she's been interviewed by Gloria Steinem. Uh, She's she's got chutzpah. She's got glamour. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's very disturbing that she only is like up number eight. She also she also physically assaults her boyfriend. So that's she. Well, whether or not they are actually dating is another story. I think like when they her intended then if you her her her, yeah the one she is pursuing yeah yes so okay number two then how about oh is it Elmo. Elmo, that is interesting. I, I don't feel like that. Elmo's fallen since when the girls. Yeah, were, I think Elmo's the girls were Elmo's a trip. Yeah, I don't see. I don't see Elmo. I'm going. I'm going past twenty. Wow, I'm going past twenty, Dave. I'm going almost twenty-two. 
Wow. Yeah, ground zero uh, uh, for Elmo was the mid '90s. He was really uh, mm-hmm. taking off then, but like he has a uh, slid. Yeah, that's, poor little Elmo has slid. That's like the girls' uh, memory. But you know what's funny is one of the, me- the one of the medals. I'll tell you who the medals were. The medals were sure. well, Oscar the Grouch, obviously. This is weird because there's no Kermit. It was Oscar the Grouch, Big Bird, yeah. Cookie Monster. I guess it was all Sesame Street beast, so it wasn't really Muppet Yeah, and Kermit is on the fence. They don't normally include him Yeah, when it's a Sesame Street So, thing. Big Bird and Elmo, and then, is it Zoe? Okay, Zoe, she's new, yeah. Yeah, she's a, a, a new character. Cause, you know, she's, a, she's a fairy, right? Is that her deal? I don't really know. She's, she's after she my time. She's, okay. she's literally after my time. So, okay. So, it's not... How about... My pers- my second personal favorite Muppet is Ernie. How does where does Ernie rank in this? Uh... You Ernie, okay. Let's see where uh, let's see where Ernie is here. Uh, I'm going down. I'm going. Oh, oh I don't. Oh, things aren't looking good for Ernie. <laughs> Way down below this. Eighteen. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Eighteen. That's... He he had his uh, you know rubber ducky years back in the day. Yeah. Well. I uh, put what down what the ducky. Uh, also very popular. Um, people are not liking that Ernie is so low. Don't forget, pass the duck, ducky. Pass, yeah, pass the ducky on the bird hand side. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So we've established Ernie's number two. So number three. It's not number two. Okay. <laughs> um. Oh, I'm gonna tell. My, I'm gonna... my favorite ones are are the old ones, though. So it's hard to. Okay, well, I'm going to say the top ten are all uh, Muppet Show Muppets. I'll give you that much. Really? Yes. Not Sesame Street Muppets. Okay. Huh. No, uh, no. The first Sesame Street Muppet to pop in is at number 11. That's Cookie Monster. Yeah. And then uh, Oscar the Grouch is 13. Yeah, and then Big Bird is 14. Wow, okay. Yeah. <sighs> so. So who are the best? And you've already said Miss Piggy. Yeah. So now who are the best damn Muppets? Well, I guess we're left with uh, Fozzie Bear. Fozzie Bear. Let's see if we got Fozzie here. Number seven. Ah. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. only number seven. Wow. Yeah. yeah. He's the dreamer, they say. Sweetly <laughs> soulful. I also think, like, he just can't take a note, that guy. <laughs> he has a brick fucking wall. <laughs> well, I did like Frank Oz's... Uh, thing where he said that he doesn't have the key to the theater which i do think mm-hmm. that's like a great an accurate element to his character um yeah he can't learn that guy yeah it was weird when in the muppet tv show not yeah. the muppet but yeah. the one that was recent, uh where he had a girlfriend it was like he should not date because <laughs> he cannot grow as a person that is that is no no he's way too needy and codependent no he should not date no, take that out of the equation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, sorry. There is sorry. I I, t- I tell a lie. There is one Sesame Street Muppet remaining that is in the top ten. Oh, okay. Probably did you say Big Bird already? Big Bird is not in the top ten. Okay, well, that's uh, wow. Who would? I'd have to say this is probably aside from Kermit, my favorite Sesame Street Muppet. Oh, the Count. It is not the Count. The Count is uh, <laughs> later on. Huh. Uh, in the list, count is. I am counting. Actually, he would be so happy okay. that I'm counting. Right <laughs> now. I think he is. He is. He is number twenty-five. And wow, if you wouldn't mind, it. Dave, yeah. please refer to him by his full name, which yeah. is Count von Countington. Yes, that's right. Count von Count. That's right. <laughs> he didn't go to count school for all that time to be called <laughs> Mister Count. Well, I think it's an honorary. Like it's just a. It's an inherited title, isn't it? 
Um, or maybe he just drank uh, yeah, a count we do. and inherited it through suction. We don't. And I don't think uh, – it's not very often that you go to school to get a title. But Yeah, that's true. Though, you yeah. know, at Sesame Street, it's all learning. That's, <laughs> that's what's funny. I'll give, you, I'll give you a clue okay, to this I guess, it would be Gro- I guess it would be Grover who would be Yeah, there. so I was going to give you the clue that yeah. uh, he changed color mm. uh, from the early episodes to later yeah, episodes. Sure. That's right. Here <laughs> Yeah, Grover. Freaky baby. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. He's great. Who then uh, can become Super Grover and fly and uh, never has an origin story for how he uh, <laughs> figured out how to fly. I'm just thinking, and, and he's not good at his job as a superhero, but I always thought like as a kid, well, who cares? You can fly. <laughs> so that's perfect. You're fine. You can fly. You've got it made. Everything's great for Grover in the world. I, uh, I forgot that I could, I could imitate Grover a little bit. I was oh, saying, hit me. Hit me. Oh, I just said, I just said, hey, froggy baby. Um, there you go. Yeah. Because uh, I, I worked today, I was saying, you know, I can sort of, I can sort of do Kermit. I can sort of do Ernie. Mm-hmm. I can do, do Cookie Monster and Grover. You can probably do Bert. I can't do. Yeah, there you go. That was Bert. Yeah. I can't do. Uh, if you can do Fozzie, you can do Bert because it's not too. It's not too different. Yeah, ah. I, I can't do. Um, I cannot do Oscar the Grouch though. No, 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 no. You can't do a Carol uh, Spinney. It's weird, isn't it? Like neither it's big. It's a totally bird. different. Uh, yeah, yeah. Type of talk. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot. I've never figured it out. So I haven't heard the new voice for Big Bird or. Uh, Oscar the Grouch since um, mm, yeah. Carol passed away. Uh, those seemed like real tough ones to to do. So, and they have a hard time doing Kermit for crying out loud. And you think like that would be one you could get, but you know Kermit still that kind seems, of seems to be wrong. That kind of hi ho, Kermit the Frog here. Yeah, it's a smooth thing, but it's not quite. Mm, it's, it's a little. <laughs> it's a little tricky. Well, I, you know, I think because you know part of it is in the personality of the puppeteer and. Yeah, he was Jim Henson. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Yeah, it's like yeah. he was completely Jim Henson. You could do, you could do Ernie. Should have come down to it. You're acting a part, but Kermit is Jim Henson. Yeah, yeah. So it's a that's a tricky one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Kermit was the guy who was backstage, who was like, uh, you know, conducting all the chaos, but being carried away with it. And it's like, yeah, that's Jim Henson. <laughs> he was the guy who's in charge, and Kermit's the guy that's in charge. Absolutely, that's that's who that's who he did. One one Muppet I loved that I felt they were kind of tired of by the time they started doing the Muppet show was uh, Ralph the Dog, who stretches way back into like the Salmon Friends time of 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 the Muppets, but and was quite a major character. I think he I think he predates uh, Kermit, in fact. Yes, he does. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was in Salmon Friends, I yeah. think. Uh, so do you want do you want to call Ralph as one of your characters for the top? Sure, 10? sure. Number five. Yes, oh, well, there you go. Well, I, that is amazing to me. I, I mean, I I love him, but. Maybe he, maybe you know, to hipsters nowadays, he's sort of the Tom Waits of uh, the Muppet Show. Well, this is what they're saying here: is uh, Kermit uh, can be Doctor Buzzkill, a square, a narc. Yeah. Ralph is always part of the game. Yeah, he is always chill. He can hang. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. bringing cabaret to the children. He's got uh, iconic, almost queer energy. He is the best Muppet, they say. <laughs> and, and it's interesting because he's he's a piano player. Yeah. Dr. Teeth is a piano player. Yeah. And they've got very similar voices, but there's never any mix-up between the two of them. And yeah. you never you never really see the two of them have any rivalry yeah, yeah. or you know any scenes together. And I think it is because their voices are very, very similar. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's interesting. The two piano players, eh, a little crossover there. Yeah, I guess with Doctor Teeth, like I guess it's sort of based in Doctor John, the Night Tripper. Sure. Um, whereas Ralph is kind of kind of a jazzbo, and that's why I kind of think of Tom Waits when I with his voice and everything. I feel like Tom Waits took a lot from Ralph. 
Yeah, Rolf is. Uh, uh, Rolf. Rolf. Yeah, Rolf is uh, has got like uh, an empty glass on his piano, and he's playing in a bar, and he'll play whatever song you want. Whereas, yeah, you got, Dr. Teeth shows up to a gig in a van, and then back to the van, like immediately back to the van, and then the van starts smoking. Um, <laughs> whereas Ralph will, Ralph will do a doobie at the end of the night or sure. have a drink. Yeah, yeah. He'll t- he'll talk your ear off and let you scratch his head. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, Ralph's really great. He's he's got a good look, and he's always like plopping his ears over his head, which is a nice uh, thing too. Yeah, he looks. I like Ralph a lot. Yeah. Well, Ralph is living at the Tropicana Motor Court, you know, and with his girlfriend Ricky Lee Jones. You know, that's uh... well. Ralph clearly has had at least one divorce. <laughs> he's probably. Yeah. He's got around for a bath mat anyway. That's how I. Feel <laughs> yeah. So. And then you ask him, "How was that relationship, Ralph?" <laughs> I don't think he's going to explain again. He doesn't want to talk about it after that point. It's all about the bones you don't eat. <laughs> That's right. Some some wounds never heal. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't I didn't like her attitude towards life, and she didn't like that I was neutered. <laughs> Thanks, Bob Barker. And I'm on the show once. <laughs> she wanted kids i couldn't have sex (laughs) i tried humping her legs for as long as possible (laughs) so okay so the rest of the you know this is this kind of weird because there's not like to me i guess gonzo is going to be in the top five for sure gonzo's number two yeah but i feel like i gotta think about this because you know there's a lot of muppets i like from the muppet show but i don't feel like there's like standout characters there's there's a lot of like you know one joke sort of characters that, that inhabit the Muppet Show world. The Swedish Chef. Yeah, it's weird. Know. It's weird. The uh, hey, Sam not, the Eagle. I don't, I don't think uh, yeah Sam's later in the list, and uh, Swedish Chef is not in the top ten. It's weird because you got Gonzo and you got you got Fozzie, and both are desperate. Yeah, both are desperate in their own way of just like <laughs> I need the time. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, yeah. Fozzie needs his, his stage time very, very much. They, if they didn't have this, they'd be a real mess. <laughs> uh, but they're, but they're, but they're uh, craving the attention in a very, very different way. Fozzie is so old school, corny old school, and Gonzo is always pursuing the new. Yeah, whatever the next new thing is. He never will state an influence. Uh, of, of any kind, yeah. you know, no, no one. He never sees anyone. I think, and then goes like, "You're my inspiration." It's <laughs> like you know, no, because he's just yeah. bananas. He's taken all he can from Hunter S. Thompson. There's something more. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, so uh, let's 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 keep going. Uh, okay, so we've we've had Miss Piggy, we've had Grover, we've had Fozzie Bear, yeah. we've had Rolf. Uh, looks like we got one left. How many more? We got. We got three left. Oh my god! I'm going to give you a clue. So are there? Dave, this is a big clue. Okay. We got three left. Yeah. Here's the big clue. Technically four. Oh, okay. So the the um, (laughs) the two old guys, two old grouchy guys, making fun of the the show. Yeah, Stadler and Waldorf. Stadler and Waldorf. I couldn't remember their names. I was going to call them. They just had a Saturday Night Live sketch where uh, uh, they got the crap beat out of them, which was pretty good. (laughs) Fine. Finally. Oh, it was Heckers. pretty good. Hecklers. Yeah. Okay, so th- there you go. Okay. Uh, did you say Swedish Chef? That's number nine. Okay. Take that off the board. Sure. And uh, let's see, are we missing it? Yes, you're missing one more, which is number four. 
Number oh, four. Who, who could it, so it couldn't be Scooter. He's too minor in the mm-hmm. in the show. Although I like, I like this character. I like this character. But now I'll tell you, this is someone who's usually part of a team, but they are uh, saying them uh, as an individual in this case. Part of a team. Part of a team usually. Yes. Very rare. You would not really see this person alone on stage. They're always part of a comedy team. Okay. So is it Beaker? It is Beaker. Yes. Okay. I was thinking Beaker for a while, but I feel once again, like they're not, you know, he's, he's a fun character, but he's really kind of a one note character. You know, it's kind of like a super Dave of the the Muppet show where it's just like inevitable disaster befalls Beaker, you know? Yeah. And I know I said that Rolf just goes, had a whoop, bit of, whoop, whoop. Yeah. I, I know I said that Rolf had a bit of a queer energy and I know sometimes you can go like, you know, people go like, Oh, Bert and Ernie, they're dating. It's like, yeah, they're not dating. They're friends. Um, but if you look at the Muppet shows, yeah. and I've been watching them on, on Disney Plus, yeah. uh, Beaker and Honeydew are dating. There's no two ways about it. There's no two ways about it. They're dating. That's not like, a healthy he relationship if that's the case. Harasses them as like, oh Beaky. And and you know, there's time there was one time where uh, they came with each other's clothes and just like and Beaker's about to explain, you owe them no explanation. And then they just kept going. I was like, uh huh. All right, there's that. And if you just just watch one, watch a damn episode. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's something going on between those uh, those two. So good for them. Good for them. <laughs> Hooray for that. Well, that's good. Hooray for Hollywood. I did not. I you know what? As a as a as a as a kid, I did not pick up on that energy, but that's fine. But what? Well, not you can watch it now on your Disney Plus and yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> no two ways about it. No two ways about it. Uh, so good for them. And that was uh, that was our warm up uh, thing. Uh, I'll just tell you the the the, uh, the top twenty real fast. Sure. Number twenty, Snuffleupagus. Yep, good right. good character. Number, Weird storyline, but a good character. Yeah, number nineteen, Sweetums. I love Sweetums. So scary in the Princess and the Pea. Yeah. I think that's um, what it was. It was like a special and he was like smashing stuff up. Oh, scary yeah, guy. I think in the princess and the uh, the the frog, the princess and the frog. That's must be, was that's, it? That must be what it was. Yeah. Because it would, it would have had Kermit in it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number 18 is Ernie. Uh, number 17, Sam the Eagle. <laughs> number, strange choice, but number, I, I, I love Sam the Eagle. But that's, that's Yeah. Scary. Number 16. Yeah. Uh, this is an odd one. But again, this is from the younger folk. Uh, Pepe the King Prawn. Yeah, uh, you know, popular in the second iteration of the Muppet Muppet Show, and in and the then, movies, and then like Muppet Christmas Carol, yeah. and and then also in the in the new Muppet, the more recent Muppet uh, Muppet Tonight or whatever it's called. Yeah, uh, number fifteen. Which Janice. they canceled. They canceled too soon. Yeah, agreed. Uh, number fifteen, Janice, for sure. You know, uh, you know, like when you you know, like we were watching. Um, we've been watching Parks and Rec for a little a little bit. I've never seen all of Parks and Rec, so we're watching a bit of the second yeah. season. And I just, Second season is where it starts getting good. Yeah, and that, yeah, but that's there you go. You know, it takes it often takes a while for a show to kind of get what it is. You know, like I was reading someone talking about Melrose Place, which I've never seen, but they're talking about like how for the first twenty one shows, it's a it's a real bore fest, and then they introduced mm-hmm. Heather Locklear's character on the on the show, and and like her character like this kind of completely changes like what the show is about, and just creates this like this spark. Of you know antagonism and stuff like that that just sends a show into like the stratosphere and everyone's really into it. And they said the problem with that though is that everyone looks at that as like your, your model of how to do a show. When what you need to have is you need that slow build to establish the characters, and then you throw in 
you throw in the, the mayhem character and then you allow everything to grow from that, you know, but you can't just yeah. start with mayhem. If you do that, then you will not have a successful show because you, it's too plot heavy and you can't develop the characters, which you need to There's have. A show, you know? Yeah. There's a show called Rutherford that's out now and uh, it's uh it's, it's good. But the problem is to keep going from the creators of parks and rec. And it's like, Oh, it's better. <laughs> if you don't say that though. I know that's how you get people because yeah, you yeah. got to build and yeah, the, yeah. And they're in the building segment. Which is fine, but we don't have that attachment mm -hmm. that we would, uh, and so yeah, it, can, it can't compare to your last thing. But we'll see if they yeah. stick it out. By the way, Frog Prince was Sweden's first appearance. Yeah, yeah. In 1971. Ooh, that makes me as, feel. As, uh, what? What? Uh, like, again, I'm, I, I like being a quiz master. <laughs> uh, what mythological creature was Sweden's? A troll. He was an ogre. An ogre. Oh, sorry. No, it was a good. It was a good, solid guess. Nothing I like, wrong with. I like the sense that Sweetums is an actor playing the role of the ogre in that. That's so great. That's hilarious. And by the end of the uh, the story, he is kind of uh, he's he's on board with uh, the things are good now. He's fine. I just I just want to circle back a little bit on what I was saying. Just just to finish off because I feel like with Muppets Tonight, like if they'd given it more than a season, you know, the show would have like. The show would have had a better chance of developing, you know, because most shows like Community, Parks and Rec, you know, we all agree like the first seasons aren't that strong, you know. But but you give the you give the writers and and the producers and the actors time to to get into their characters and understand what's happening. You can then take off on that what you've created. You know, you have you have a base you can jump off of. You know, and I, I just think that it didn't, you know, and because. I know Muppets Tonight, you're going like, oh, they've already have established characters in Muppets or this, Muppets or that. But no, that show kind of changed the, the chemistry of the characters. Kermit and Piggy are together. You know, they're doing a different sort of show. It's Piggy. It's just Piggy's like talk show. It's a behind the scenes thing. So, you know, it was, a, it was different. Oh, wait, are you feel. talking about, sorry, sorry. Are you talking about the most recent uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thing? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking, Muppets Tonight is a different show. Oh, I'm sorry. Muppets I was... Tonight is the show that Prince was on. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that that was the uh, second Muppet show. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. This you're thinking of the Muppets. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lowercase. Yes. Yeah. The Muppets. Absolutely. Lowercase. Yeah. Absolutely. A second season of that. Muppets Tonight could have had another season. They yeah, could have yeah. found their life. But yeah, Mu the Muppets absolutely should have had another season. Mm -hmm. That uh, watching it, especially again on Disney Plus, and watching them all in a row. Yeah. Whoa! This is. This builds real good. Yeah, it was going somewhere, right? And you're like, well, why would you stop this? Like, the girls and I love that show. We, you know, that was like, that was destination TV for us. You know, we really yeah, liked that was, show. There was times where I would write to Nell Scoville, who's on Twitter, uh, and she did an episode, and it would be like, that was really good. I was like, we know. It was a real <laughs> drag. Thanks for saying that. She wrote the episode where uh, Piggy had a uh, tail slip. And uh, showed showed her tail, and it was just, <laughs> and it was a big scandal, and uh, and and, she, and and then it got into like you think like oh we're just doing a sexual thing, but it wasn't that. It was that Piggy is ashamed of being a pig, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and they're playing that aspect up of her life, and it's like yeah. oh all right, this is okay, keep going, yeah. keep, keep, go going. And the yeah. and the guest appearances were good too. I you know they're they're always done. Dave Grohl was really good. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of fun that show. It's too bad uh, they didn't. Get to go get get to take it further. Yeah, then they did. Unfortunately, the, the Muppets Now, which was I think supposed to be improv and live, and then it just was mm, you're just doing some <laughs> just doing some yappy comedy that doesn't have a point really. Yeah, yeah. And it's like eh, that's a shame. And now you're back doing something else, so that's fine. The Muppets keep going. Okay, so I'm just going to go through. Uh, number fourteen was Big Bird. Number thirteen, Oscar the Grouch. Number seventeen, Rizzo the Rat. 
uh, and uh, mostly because of Muppet Treasure Island. That's People he, uh, and uh, Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah. Really That's where they, yeah, those characters really come, you know, the later ones. And then, of course, number 11, Cookie. That's Cookie Monster. Cookie. Mm-hmm. Who was originally, I think, the wheelie uh, monster, I think, uh, where he had jagged, sharp teeth. And there was three <laughs> monsters that would, like, come and get your crackers. There was crackers <laughs> and food-shaped crackers. And he was one of them, like the wheelie stealer. Yeah. And, I, 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 and then at the end, you know, you saw these monsters and they all turned into children. And the children were like, you know, ah, these kids are really monsters inside because they'll take your crackers. And like, oh, geez. It's uh, horrifying and uh, also great. And then they, they cut out all his teeth, much like the Bumble from uh, Rudolph. And uh, he's an adorable creature. And those two look a lot alike, <laughs> frankly. And at night, he wears his necklace of teeth. <laughs> yes. And remembers. And remembers the days when he could consume more than just cookies, but also chew meat. And well, now he's doing DoorDash ads. Oh, okay. So, so he does order quite a bit of food now in those <laughs> ads. So he does have a wide, varied diet. Yeah. Nice. And, and lives with uh, one of the guys from Hamilton. So that's nice. Hmm. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, Sweetums. Good, good on him. <laughs> no, Sweetums. Back to Sweetums. <laughs> Love Sweetums. <laughs> All right, so who's, who's next? who else we got there? We got, we that was it. We've gone through it. Oh, we, we've okay. done it. Oh, okay. Now we're in the top ten. We've uh, we've talked it through. We've pretty much done those ones. Yeah, cool. We have. Right. Uh, that was fun. The, yep, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Right, so shutting down that page. Done. <laughs> we're done. Get, get that out of there. Get rid of that stuff. No, the Muppets, uh, I remember they had uh, uh, some of the Muppets at Science World for a big uh, uh, sh- a show there, and they were all behind glass. One, you don't realize how small they are. It's it's jarring how yeah, small Fozzie Bear. I guess they fit on a hand, so they are kind of small. Yeah, they have to be. Yeah. And you've seen Jim Henson with Kermit, so that shouldn't throw you. But there's something about about it seeing them in person and just yeah. go, oh, they're very very small. <laughs> um, except for they also had uh, a dragon from the storyteller segments of Jim Henson Presents, I think, or the Jim Henson Hour, the one uh, they did with John Hurt. And uh, that thing was huge and amazing. And then they had like some fraggles. And I've shared a hotel room where uh, I've not shared a hotel room, but I've been in a hotel where they had a whole fraggle display in the basement, the bottom floor. And uh, that was that was cool to see as well. Even though I'm not a fraggle uh, fan, it was like, hey, neat. <laughs> Do they have that? Do they have the dragon? The whatever his name was, the the Chinese food dragon. Oh, the Lachoy dragon. The Lechoy no, they did dragon. not. The Lachoy dragon. <laughs> no, the problem with most of the Muppets is they rot. Yes. Because the glue that they use does not last for decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if you look at any of the Muppets from, like, say, the Dark Crystal, they're, uh, I mean, they were horrific then, but they're horrific now. <laughs> or even, like, Labyrinth, you know, they're just falling apart. They've got to get a, a real redo, you know. So you're seeing, uh, you're seeing, like, you know, Fozzie Bear many generations later. <laughs> yeah. I've never been able to watch The Dark Crystal. Um, well, you know, I've tried a couple TV. times, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, but at, uh, Pia and uh, Vicky were watching it today. Okay. And they kept turning to me while I was, like, making dinner and going, like, this is for kids? <laughs> it's, it's like a no way for kids. I don't think it's for kids. No, I, it's not for kids. I just find the expressionlessness of the of the characters face you know their faces are just i don't know it just it's off-putting to me i saw the um the new episodes before i saw the original 
And and it was so disturbing the violence in it, like so disturbing. <laughs> they had these they had these characters who you know the whatever the sketsies yep. were uh, trapped and uh, and so they sold their lips together and had the, they were their slaves. And then through the thing, the 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 ones with the lips sewed together were planning their escape. And you're thinking, oh, they're going to escape. And then they don't escape. One gets like pushed in this pit that like leads to lava, and the other uh, gets beaten to death. Beaten to death with like I don't know what the object was, but it was like a rock or something. And then it's just like their blood is like spraying on the walls, and I'm like what the fuck is this? What are you doing? What are you doing? But you know that's part of part of the Muppets is like it's a very brutal. dark. There's a very dark part to the yeah. Did you ever watch on Saturday Night Live? Yeah, I was there? just going to think. I was just going to say Those that. Those were freaking dark. Yeah, those were very dark. I think they were trying because because the writers there were assholes and, you know, uh, were always dismissive and just like, I'm not writing for fucking felt, I yeah. believe is what uh, Michael, uh, O'Donoghue. Michael O'Donoghue said. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're thinking they're like uh, Sesame Street things. So they probably tried, we're going to show you. We'll, we're a badass. We'll yeah. show you. Yeah. And so they got like darker than they should have done. They pulled the Simpsons when Futurama started getting popular. I'm like, we'll show you. We'll be we'll be dark and mean. I'm like, well, that's not what you are. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there, you know, like, I, I guess, you know, I guess if you don't like know the whole story of the Muppets, you know, or at least at least the whole story of Jim Henson, you know, like, you know, he he made that film about where the guy's trapped in the room. Right. The so, cu- uh, was it called the cube? I don't think it's called. Maybe it's called the cube. Yeah, it's been a while since I saw that. But I think it was. It's 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 yeah. quite disturbing. But he also uh, did like good. yeah. He also did like a, like very experimental films with this um, the elect- time one electronic composer. This well, he first started like as a kind of jazz composer, uh, Raymond Scott, and then he became he started becoming became interested in electronic electronic compositions in the 50s and started and moved into that and it was like he made homemade synthesizers and things and created electronic soundscapes and then he worked with Jim Henson together and they made like experimental films with the with the music and stuff like that. Raymond Scott most famously composed Powerhouse which everyone knows who watched Warner Brothers cartoons whenever they had like oh, machi- oh, oh, yeah, machinery going um, that's right. So yeah, but yeah. later on he like went from composing for humans to com- composing for for synthesizers and 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 uh yeah, it's just interesting. There's there's this parts to Jim Henson where, you know, he wasn't like like even though the Muppets became like a huge success, I don't think like when he started working on Sesame Street that that's that was his aim. I think his aim was oh, no. was really to create something purely for kids and purely in a kind of altruistic way to create something that was not you know like completely kind of anti-commercial in its in its approach. You know, I, I know and, later on it became very commercial, but. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, the, you see Bert and Ernie, and that's just, you know, Frank and uh, Frank and Jim like uh, doing stuff together. And yeah, yeah, you see yeah. that relationship go. Uh, let me just say, uh, yes, uh, it was The Cube. Mm. Uh, it was an hour-long um, uh, special. Uh, and uh, it starred Richard Schall, who if you saw him, you'd go, ah, yeah, there yeah. you go. That yeah. guy from everything. Yeah. He was also married to Valerie Harper. Um and uh, and yeah, that was in uh, 1969 that yeah. came out. Yeah. And yeah, it's got it's 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 interesting because I'm going to give a little bit of a spoiler for it, which is uh, anytime there was something that was a little bit blood related, they, you know, or, or there would be all this uh, strawberry jam that would show. You'd be like, <laughs> oh, it's like strawberry jam, strawberry jam. And then at one point, like it, you think like he's free at a certain point, and he's signing a contract, and they're going, well, you, you got out, good for you. Uh, like oh thanks, and then he gets a paper cut, and then he's just like 
taste the blood and it's strawberry jam. He knows <laughs> you're never getting out. And I was like, so freaking dark. It's so dark. But, but I mean, simultaneously uh, with that, he was also, you know, doing appearances on, on the Ed Sullivan show doing the Manamana. You know, so it's, right. it's, just, it's just, you know, like you can't just, you can't put him in a box. And so like the Dark Crystal or Labyrinth are an expression also of his, of his, in, you know, of his, of his taste as well. Like, you know, you know, he's a sixties guy. So that's, you know, that's a sort of a different thing than, than a, every, you know, whatever else you're going to, like an eighties person or, you know what I mean? Like it's just. Yeah. He was always pushing whatever the next thing was. So when you see Dark Crystal, yeah. it's, uh, oh, I don't like this at all is what I say. <laughs> but I do go. Well, you were trying something. That's yeah, a yeah. big swing. Yeah, this is ambitious. This is a big, that's a big screen. That's a big-ass swing. Okay, it's not I'm for me, you. but, you know, yeah, it's not for me, but it's uh, for someone, I guess. And I'm, I'm not even a big fan of Labyrinth either, so. I mean, the only thing I don't like is, and, and people fucking love it, so what am I going to say, is, um, you know, and I'm, I don't care about Fraggle Rock. Fraggle Rock's fine. Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, but uh, you know, uh, when I see something like Muppet Babies, then I just like go, no, 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 no. The one thing, yeah. the one thing that was interesting about Muppet Babies was they could show clips of movies that were owned by whoever was doing this, and that included Star Wars. Mm. So you could see Star Wars clips uh, in the show, which is the only place you could you could like you couldn't see Star Wars anywhere. You couldn't see Star Wars except in the movie theaters, yeah. but you could see Star Wars and Muppet Babies somehow, and that was like incredible. Yeah. Uh, but uh, ugh, Skeeter and Scooter get lost. Get out of here. What's that? Who's Skeeter? What's this about? <laughs> Why are they all the same age? Scooter is clearly much, much younger than Kermit. Kermit's an adult. Scooter is a teenager. Why are they babies at the same time? Foo, I say. It's 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 not canon. Let's face it. Some people, I know it can't. It can't be. You know, it's good that it's good that ABC is, or not ABC, but it's good that Walt Disney is, or Disney Plus is playing the Muppet Show and stuff. But I wish they would play like the Princess and the Frog and Emma Daughter's Christmas and the yeah, musician, yeah, yeah, yeah. musicians of Hamlin. And you stuff know like what? That that would be I really fun they, to see those old shows. Oh, I'd be surprised if they weren't showing. Uh, they might be on YouTube. I guess I could yeah. watch them there. No, no, I'm just wondering, like Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Like, it feels like that's gotten a bit more play lately. Yeah, they, uh, that was like the first appearance of a bicycle being ridden by a by a right. by a Muppet. You know, like that's a that was a big deal. I mean, remember seeing that as a as a kid, and my mind my mind falling out of my head. <laughs> It's funny, like thinking of the Muppet movie and when when Kermit's riding a bike, yeah, and and the audience gasped. Yeah, they gasped. I mean, I didn't gasp because I'd seen it in Emma Otter, but yeah, it was it was still it was it was surprising to see that. I mean, it's even crazier in the the Great Muppet Caper when it's like twenty of them riding their bicycles, and I know it's just like more of the same, and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be better, but it's just so spectacular that they that they do something so big with that. You know what I mean? This is crazy. Like how much how much work there was in doing that. I can't imagine like what kind of rig they had to like, how they rigged that up to have like so many characters riding bicycles in a park, you know, and it, it's just really well done, but yeah. Oh, okay. And they are doing, okay. Yeah. Good news, bad news. Oh. Not on Disney plus. Oh. Uh, Cause uh, they don't own the rights to the characters, uh, uh, even though they own the Muppets. Yeah. Emmett Otter is not owned by them, but, uh-huh. but, yep. It is uh, being made into a movie. This was, of course, a special. It's being made into a movie that's coming out, you know, in a, maybe a year or two. Uh, and Brett McKenzie is writing the script and the music for it. 
from uh, Flight of the yeah, Conquerors. Yeah, well, that, I like him a lot, and that, that's, but why not just release the original one? That's good. Oh, I'm sure it will be. There's no way that they're going to have the movie come out, and the special will not accompany it somewhere. Yeah, you know, and we'll see the River Bottom Nightmare game. Yeah. River Bottom Nightmare game. <laughs> and then there were specials, like, with, you know, Dr. Dr. Teeth, like, on the Muppet Show, the Dr. Teeth was kind of like a minor band, but I remember there being like, I think it's called Sex and Violence. There was a special. Oh, sure, sure. That was a pilot that didn't take oh, off. Okay, but it yeah. features a lot of hair. That was what originally movie. became the Muppet Show, yeah. And the, the the host was the guy who is the conductor that you see at the beginning of the Muppet Show, okay. you know, with the baton. Yeah. He, was the, he was the guy who uh, hosted Sex and Violence. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. This is, you know, I mean, as a kid, of course, I loved, loved the Muppets. So whatever iteration they were, you know, I made a point of parking myself in front of the television until it came on. We had a rule in our house that if you were watching television, you re- you controlled the TV. I mean, I, I established this rule, obviously, but <laughs> once it was established, it was the rule that if you were watching television, then you could decide what, what we were going to watch, which yeah. my, my dad would sometimes countermand, but often he just went along with whatever we were watching. He didn't really care. He just did his, his – uh, he would just bring home his um, his office work and just sit on the couch with his briefcase open and writing notes. Well, while the TV played, so I don't. He wasn't really that uh, wrapped up in it, so he didn't like care really. So he didn't didn't fight it, but uh, but yeah, there was things that I really wanted to see, you know. So it was like a if there's like a Charlie Brown special on, and I was I was parked in front of the TV from you know like five in the afternoon until the <laughs> until the thing came on because I didn't want my brothers to be like, nah, I don't want to watch that. Let's watch whatever else. So yeah, I was I was a real uh, I was a real TV bully. I remember my I remember my brother like finally in his teens figuring out how to read the TV guide and he's just like, Well now I can decide what I want to watch. Like, yeah. Damn it. I lost my, my monopoly. Lost your power. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay out some trivia for you. Um so uh Sex and Violence, ah. uh which was a TV special that was a backdoor pilot and, and the idea was it was uh sketches based on the seven deadly sins. Okay. So that was the concept. So you had uh you know, all these jokes, but the characters that were introduced in Sex and Violence for the very first time yeah. were Sam Eagle, Dr. Teeth, Janice, Floyd Pepper, yeah. Zoot, sure, Animal, sure. Swedish Chef, wow. Statler and Waldorf, uh, and uh, Dr. Julius uh, Strange Pork. Wow, there's a lot of characters. But you, you did mention Harry the, Ar- the, uh, the Anarchist, right? I did not mention Harry the Anarchist. I think Harry the Anarchist, Crazy Harry, yeah, crazy who Harry. I think, yeah, uh, I think Crazy Harry showed up. Uh, somewhere else first. Oh, okay, okay. Because, yeah, it was a big part of that show. He kept blowing things up during the he whole show. He kept blowing things up. And, yeah, you did have Miss uh, early versions of Miss Piggy and Gonzo were there. Mm. Gonzo appeared in another special as, like, a head in a box. He was, like, this weird <laughs> creature that was in a box. And it was called, like, the It or the something. I, I forgot. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he, he definitely had a, a different name uh, back back then. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of a lot of what the Muppet Show would become was in that show there for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and I guess the Sex and Violence was them trying to go like again. We're not the Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like when the, with the Princess and the Frog, you know, I wasn't. I saw it, but I wasn't aware that it was on. My like, like my mom or dad put it on for us to watch. You know. But yeah. like, or Bremen Town Musicians was also one of. Those yeah, that like just that. showed up, right? You're just like, this is the greatest thing ever. But but first, like, and even Sex and Violence, I think I just happened. It just came on. Like I just happened to watch it. it what, like the Muppet Show is the one I remember. Like maybe at Mid Otter, where I was like intentionally watching it. Where I, like Muppet Show, I was looking forward to it being on. Mm-hmm. But in my memory, it was on at a very obscure time when it first started because they didn't think it would sell. 
you know, that's why it ended up in England because no American stations were interested in it. And so it was kind of, it was syndicated. It was, you know, it was through ITC or some weird thing like that, you know, like, and, and so, yeah, but I just remember like being, you know, like finally being in an age where you're like, oh man, this is going to be cool. You know, like, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see yeah. this show. Where is this the, show? Okay, How do I find it? Okay. So, um, Crazy Harry, yeah. his first appearance was one year before in another Muppet special that was a half hour long. Oh, okay. And that was the Muppets Valentine show. Okay, I don't remember that one. I mean, I might have missed that one. That one, that one had the guest uh, Mia Farrow uh, was was what? was on the show, and uh, and it was all about trying to find the meaning of love. Huh. Yeah. I guess she was in the Great Gatsby that year, so she is promoting. Yeah, they're uh, yeah. Th- those are available, I think, on YouTube. Like I have seen. I'm sure they are, but you know. It's not my favorite way to watch things, watching things on YouTube. I guess, I guess now that I can watch it on TV, I, I, maybe I should be more... And this one was hosted it. by a character named Wally, yeah, who was, uh, who, was, who was hanging out with George the Janitor. Who's that guy? <laughs> uh, Mildred. Mildred and Brewster. Don't know who Brewster is. He was a dog, wasn't all, he? Could have been. Could very well have been. I'm not, I'm not sure. Sorry. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Brewster, Muppet. Uh... Nope, Brewster was kind of a, a an old guru type. Oh, okay, Mad. wise looking bearded uh, okay. Muppet. I, I I honestly don't remember that one, so I probably missed that one as a. Yeah, his name is Brewster movie. Rooster, though he's not a rooster. Mm. Oh wait, no, no, sorry. Brewster Rooster is a song that uh, Big Bird sings. Fuck that, forget that. <laughs> Brewster is just a goddamn Muppet who's you know an old man who yeah. is an old man this me. So Brewster's dead now. Okay, that's just it. <laughs> Wait, he's okay. Brewster overdosed clearly yeah. in the back of you know Doctor Teeth's van, and they took him to a desert and they just left him there and just mm. went, "Let nature take its course, man." And then off they went out, and just like murder, murder. And it's like, <laughs> murder him. He died of his own free will. Well, a lot of people don't realize how stressful working in the Muppet environment was, and a lot of those characters came unglued. Yeah. So. Oh, well played. Thank you. Uh, you should be very proud. Good for you. <laughs> you would, if you could see me now, I'm I'm polishing my fingernails on my shirt at this very moment. Just, yeah, and, and I don't uh, know why they need a shine, but they just definitely just needed a bit of a polish. Yeah, in the years 1974, Jim Henson, Frank Oz, they're putting together this special, and not knowing that in the year 2021, there'll <laughs> be a joke about the Muppets uh, and the blue not being great. <laughs> Should have used stronger glue. But you know what? They would be tickled pink to know that to know that at that point that you know in seventy four that whatever that is years later (laughs) that that would be you know someone would be making a cracking a joke about it. Yeah, and then you say to Frank Oz, "You're good in Knives Out," and he's like, "What? What's that?" (laughs) And it's like it's the prequel to Knives Out Two. I hope you're in Knives Out Two. Oh, that'd be nice. He could be. Yep, he could. Is the kind of character that could be in uh, yeah, multiple I think, movies? Yeah, I think he could be, and he should be. Yeah, that's that does sound. Yeah, that does sound good. <laughs> Did, I, t- I told you that he was offered a part in um, Mike Birbiglia's uh, film "Don't Think Twice," right? And uh, he said he couldn't do it, but it was really because he didn't want to do it. Did I tell you that? I think you did. Yeah, yeah, and it was because uh, he was an old. He was his father, and he was dying. Yeah, and he went just like so. I'm an old man dying. No, not doing that. <laughs> yeah, no shit. 
That's strictly a role for young people to play. Yeah, why would you want to be that? The old man dying, being in the hospital bed, dying, uh, passing out. Yeah, no, fuck off. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's. He was nice about it first, and then yeah, it's interesting. Frank Oz is such a sharp cat that uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. He was he, he knew enough to be uh, polite about it until you know it really got pursued and was like, hey, you know, yeah, you said you didn't want to do movies anymore, and then you did uh, this other movie. Do you want to know why? I'm like. Yeah. Do you really want to know? Yeah. I'm not going to be a dying guy, old dying guy. Your part was shit. <laughs> but yeah, that's one. Yes. You know, you tell him to come back as Yoda and be a funny Muppet, and it's like, yeah, he'll do it. He'll he'll be, he'll do Fozzie's voice for you. But like, you got something decent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not going to show up. You know, for everything. No, that's oh. a juicy role that lawyer in Knife Zone. That's a great, great role. Yeah. Yeah, and he's the that, perfect look for it. That and his assistant. I mean, they make that. They 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 make that part. Just this this sing. Yeah. That's oh, amazing. that was a good movie. Oh, what it a sure good movie. is. One of these days, I'll rewatch it. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, I'd like to see that again in the theater. I'd see anything in the theater, <laughs> but like, you know. Uh, I know. I was reading about. I was reading about Army Army of the Dead today in the newspaper. Yeah. And it got a good review from a, mm-hmm. from a pretty persnickety reviewer. So I. Even if I don't always agree with their reviews, I I, I kind of trust them to, in terms of quality or interest, you know, because I feel like they're they're always pretty uh, judgmental about movies, which I like. You know, I don't want to. I mean, I also appreciate like people being fanish and just loving movies and and being thrilled about everything. But at the same time, I want to. I also like someone who's really like like kind of an an a hole, <laughs> not not that much, but just a little bit snarky, you know. So then you feel like, oh, if they like something, then that movie really deserves it you know so yeah i like that i always i always liked there's a a british reviewer who i think probably did the very first film guide his name was leslie helliwell and he was he had the strangest rating system in 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 his film guide like you know leonard malton had his like four stars and the turkey kind of thing but Mm -hmm. but helliwell had like he had no real star system like most movies most movies don't get a star Right. Some get like a little, like maybe one asterisk beside it, and some get three. But it seems like you know it has to be like a very, very special movie. To it's like a Michelin star. Yeah. Not guess, everyone gets it, but you do get a review. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And but often he will. Um, what I liked was he'll even in like a bad movie, if he felt like someone stood out in it in a really an impressive way, he would italicize their name in the credit part of the review, like you know, because oh. it, it would be like the movie name, and then it would tell you if it was color or black and white. And then it would tell you the length of the film, and then it would tell you the the aspect, which I was like when I watched movies when I was younger, because then I would know when I was being ripped off by TV. And then and then they would have like the cast, and then the crew, and you know, like the cinematographer and director and writer and stuff like that. And so often, the, you know, those people would get like an italicized, like kind of like a little thing, like this person deserves some recognition for, like even like in the terrible horror movie It's Alive, you know that movie about the monster baby. Yeah. Like he yeah. gives he gives the the actor who plays the dad like an italicized like you know in a movie that's garbage this guy did a really good job you know so I kind of appreciate that I think that's like a, an interesting way to review a review things but I always like it because he's very dismissive too of films particularly as you get f- further on because he's an old old dude so you know like like a movie like like uh, um, Evil Dead you know it's it's not going to fare well uh, in his uh, in his review of things but you know. When you know, when you kind of get what how someone what someone likes, you can you can appreciate. You can be like, oh, well, he really liked this movie, so that this movie must be pretty good if he's you know if he's given this movie a a good review and it's from the nineteen seventies. <laughs> so yeah, it's just I really I kind of like that uh, 
part of reviewers. I also like enthusiasts, but enthusiasts are less trustworthy in terms of do you want to go see the movie? They're thrilling, you know, getting thrilled. Yeah, over. I gotta pay. I gotta pay fourteen bucks for this. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> sure, he can enjoy it. He's up for free, but I gotta pay for this thing. Yeah, that is a that is a that is a fair point. Yeah. So yeah. so like when this reviewer he liked the kid detective, and that's what made me want to go see it. You know, so I went mm-hmm. to, also it was playing in the theater. One of the few films that were new in the theater, so I was like, "I'm going anyway." But uh, he liked it, so I was like, "Oh, that's probably pretty good." So, and it is. So, I agree. We should. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I like that film quite a bit. Yeah, um, this film. Here's here's the here's what I got against it. It's just like two and a half hours. That's too long for an action movie. That's too long. You can't keep He's, an action movie going. Yeah, that long. and he says they do it really well. He says even even though it's two and a half hours, it doesn't feel like a two and a half hour movie. So. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, interesting. I um, mean, he, he's got the right people in mm-hmm. it. Uh, you know, that's good. Yeah, he says a really good cast. Yeah, um, you know, uh, and he did. I, he did mention Tignataro as being a standout, especially in, who, in the who never acted with anybody. Yeah, that's right. Especially in the kind of difficult part of a role where she is a post production replacement. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice trick. Mm-hmm. That uh, they were able to uh, do, yeah, it's all fine. Uh, it's all gonna be, it'll be fine. Here's my thing: it's like it's very rare now that I have time to watch a very long, like I would say very long, but like a considerably long movie, uh, where I don't have to also like have a meal because I've also then got to go to work afterwards. <laughs> so I'm like, so but like it's like a, a gory zombie movie. Um, I can't eat a chicken wing. While I'm, while I'm, I'm like, oh boy. We should eat it with I, more gusto, like a, like a zombie. I, 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 yeah. We got an air fryer, by the way. So like now it's oh. like, holy moly. So now you're, you're, you're an airitarian. You're only eating air. Oh. Yeah. Just, uh, just air repair. Well, I guess you'll live forever. I guess it will. Well, we're going to do some, uh, going to do some of those cauliflower wings as well soon too. So I'm not just eating, uh, uh, wing wings, but my God, we, 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 we the first thing we did was, the chicken wings. Yeah. And we're like, all right, let's see how this works. And we both like bite into their wings and just go, oh, oh, fuck off. This is insane. This is like restaurant plus. This is so good. And I'm like, okay. So we've been living like chumps yeah. for for a long time. And uh, this was, uh, you know, $100 well spent. Well done. <laughs> well, I don't want to, I don't want to seem creepy because it is kind of creepy, but. Were you looking in our window? <laughs> well, that's, no, that's not creepy. Okay. I was uh, no. I was um, sometimes when people like like Sneaky Dragon, yeah, I'll click on their pro- profile to to see who they are. Like I'll be like, well, who is this person? Right, and then you'll enter the word nude. <laughs> is that creepy? Well, and, first of all, what yeah. you gotta do first though yeah. is enter your own name. Yeah, and then the word nude. <laughs> see what comes up first. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, and then yeah, and then uh, then do it with uh, people you know. No, I don't. I have not. I've never done that. But no. So until tonight. So I went. So I'll look on their Facebook profile because that's where they like us on on their face on our. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, okay, they are this person. Cool. Then I know. Um. Now, so I hope I'm not talking out of turn here. I don't want to get in trouble, but a listener to the show who goes by the name of Crystal, okay. who occasionally writes in. Has yes. has some YouTube videos with some air fryer cooking tips. Oh, okay, all right, hold it. So, so, okay. so Crystal, uh, you liked Sneaky Dragon, then you didn't like it, which I thought, oh, maybe because I creeped your profile, you decided to stop liking it. But anyway, uh, send us the links to these YouTube videos in your next message, because uh, Ian would like to see them. Okay, and it's okay. You don't need to like us. That's fine too. No, no, that's fine. Uh, I don't, you, know, you don't have to like us, but that, that's yeah. 
that that part I'm over. I'm already over that part. I you know I was insulted for a few days, walked around kicking kicking small dogs and yelling at children, but I got over it. It's all fine now. And uh, also kicked small children and yelled at yelled at dogs. Yeah, it's really hard now that you've got adult children and a pit bull. That just doesn't. <laughs> that's not the best. No, I have to use other people's children and their dogs. Okay. So I mean, it's you know, it's I'm. I'm, let's just say I'm walking on thin ice in this neighborhood of chickens and kicking their people's children. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, no, she had some uh, fun stuff she was making with her air fryer. So, so you should, uh, if she'll send us the links, you should check it out. <laughs> okay, yeah, definitely will. Or I've just, or I've just completely alienated a listener. That's fine. And let me say, let me say as always now, and again, I'm I'm the millionth person to bring this up. Yep. Uh, where I'm just like. Oh, you know, I'd like to look up a, a recipe for ice cream or something. Yeah. And uh, so let me answer that. All right. Easy ice cream. All right. I'll take some. Oh, I thought you put ice cream, cream nude. <laughs> uh, there'd be quite a few pictures. <laughs> I, guess that. I guess you're right. Yeah. Oh, that's where you put the Oh, those are big scoops. Oh, Mr. Softy. Well, it doesn't look like it. Um, <laughs> so, but then you go to the site and then it's like, I just want the freaking recipe. And it's just like growing up as a boy in Wisconsin. Yeah. My uncle. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. Skim, skim, skim. <laughs> Our scream was invented. It is like, go, go, go. But in the Depression, of course, well, we had to use dirt in place of chocolate. Yeah. Keep going. And then finally, you get to the uh, thing. Just print, print, well, print. Just, just, just print so you out. know, like we get, we get like a a, a monthly. I never look at it because it's too depressing. But we get like a monthly summary of our website traffic and stuff like that from Google, right? Okay. And so, if you if we were selling ads for a site, we would use that as uh, you know to convince advertisers to advertise on our site. And I assume the the longer people stayed on the site the better your pay would be because it would look like people were there for a long time and thus the ads that were being were being you know uh flash through or whatever would be you know would would then ha- you know like, oh i guess we'll pay you because you have people who are on the site for half an hour reading about their uncle's ice cream factory and so and so that's why they're doing oh, that's why they're doing delay. that right? yeah it's delaying you there so that so that you're, so they can their 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 statistics look better because like unlike ours where it's like people are on it for like a minute thirty, right, th- these ones they're on there for a long time, you know, and so what I, what I'm what that's telling me is that I have to start writing really long show, uh, um, whatever they're called, show summaries, you know, and and right. and maybe talking about my uncle and his ice cream factory. Okay. And luckily well, for me, luckily for me, I've I've got about three hundred uncles who have ice cream factories. So, it's all the same uncle. He has a lot of weight. <laughs> well, maybe it was the same uncle. I, he just, you know, I kept thinking he was just an older. I thought he looked old, like an old guy, but he probably was the same uncle. Yeah, he looks a little like Shoot. that Muppet. That's the older looking Muppet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's what that's all about. By the way. So yeah, I mean, it would be nice. I mean, you think it's enough that you are like constantly fighting with your freaking phone that keeps turning off when you go to look at the recipe again, and yeah. so you keep having to you know open the site up and that that's but i guess that doesn't count because the problem is that's not like a, a one long one long visit that's several short visit visits because your phone keeps turning off uh, what a confusing uh bunch of mush <laughs> i just say i just say to people like hey look yeah uh if you gotta go you go poop uh, turn our site on first, and then go. Yeah, yeah, and then take, and then come <laughs> that's back. A good idea. And then uh, turn they, it off. Turn it off again. You don't need to be there for any particular reason. Yeah, we don't need to be there. You just need you to 
you know, have the, you know, stuff going on. Yeah. So yeah. what's, what's the big deal? Cut us some slack, man. <laughs> Help a brother out. Our, our site is, our site is an example of like, it's like the, it's like a visual sh- uh, show of loss of enthusiasm. Like you can just, <laughs> you're going to see us losing enthusiasm for everything that isn't the podcast itself. Like when we first started off, you would like post a ton of stuff to Facebook yeah. And then I would do like a summary of the stuff that you posted and I, I would add my own things to it and little jokes. And so that lasted like uh, about half a year. <laughs> and then we both, right. we both realized, God, we have lives. What are we doing? And then, yeah, I think I've carried on like, uh, cause I do a lot of other things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, me too. It's like I do a daily comic strip. Yeah. Yeah. Like I gotta, that's, I gotta, that's I gotta right. oh, I'm, not, I'm not blaming you. This, oh, it sounds like you're blaming. No, no. And then, and then, you know, show summaries. Obviously, you know, you did those for a while. Then you're like, meh, I've got, a, I've got a life. And then me too, like title cards, and that eventually like faded out. You know, so that is just, you know, it's just like the slow, <laughs> the slow erosion of just, just down to the the bare minimum. The show, the show must go on. Which actually seems more like evolution to me. It seems like sure. less like erosion. Sure. We're sleek now. We're like a cheetah. We're the cheetah of of. Uh, podcasting which explains why someone told me that we're a bunch of cheetahs but anyway ah, this is what it sounded like um yeah well, it reminds me of like uh when we're talking about saturday night live and it's like first season of saturday night live just has like short films and it's got muppets yeah, yeah. it's got so many musical numbers and it's yeah. got all this stuff and then like you know look at it now and just go it knows what it is yeah 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 two musical numbers yeah no one knows is coming <laughs> you know when the commercials are fake commercials are coming yeah it's all fine so you go like is that de-evolution yeah is that evolution yeah. you tell me streamlining yeah you need to streamlining sure sure yeah no it's albert like, no albert brooks short films that are completely different in tone than the show itself and no because albert brooks then goes and makes movies like yeah. full-on movies yeah, yeah so it feels like that feels like evolution right like if you like if you like albert brooks you can get some albert brooks at a level that you uh but yeah it's uh and then, and then, yeah, the lone, not lonely Mr. Island. Bill, Mr. Bill's gone. Yeah, the Lonely Island folks, you know, end up doing their short films for quite a few years on there. And, mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, there's some others uh, filmmakers on there for a little bit, and you know, they do the thing, and it's thing, and thing. And now there's like uh, they had COVID for like a year and a bit, so everyone's now going, huh? Oh, figure it out, figure <laughs> out what we're doing. Yeah. And uh, somehow uh, Keenan's still on the show after uh, almost 20 years. And uh, I don't know how that's going. But uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Why, feels, wait, you feel like he's he's not good or you feel like... It's not that he's not good. It's yeah. just it's an insanely long <laughs> run, right? For a show yeah. that changes cast members on the regular. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because that's a show that basically it doesn't just... People just don't leave. People get kicked off the show. You yeah, know? and I don't mean that. I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like eventually yeah, your your time good. comes. Yeah, Adam Sandler got fired. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah. I guess even Lauren Michaels realizes, you know, like, I mean, sure, Adam Sandler's probably like tired of doing the show, and his attention was starting to drift away, and that's probably like an, you know, an acknowledgement of that. But yeah, at some point, even the producer of the show has to like be aware of the fact that the people need to move on, and you can't. Right. Here's the thing. You can't be uh, there forever. Keenan Thompson yeah. uh, started uh, doing the show 18 years ago. Okay. He's done the show so long that one of his big breaks after, while doing the show yep. was to do the Fat Albert movie, where it was amazing that Bill Cosby got to be in it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You got Bill Cosby, the cameo in your Fat Albert movie? Yeah. Holy shit. 
keep going to the point where now he makes fun of Bill Cosby and the horrible things Bill Cosby did. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's like that amount of time has passed in his run. Hmm. You know, hmm. that you were in a Bill Cosby movie and it was such an honor to be Fat Albert. <laughs> that was great. Holy shit. You got to be Fat Albert. I thought you were going to say he started on Saturday Night Live when it was funny and then he's on, still on it. Oh, well, that's so everyone says it's, it's not funny anymore. That's what they said. It's just, uh, yeah, y'all, that's not music, that's just noise. <laughs> the superhero movies aren't cinema. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to get that Fat Albert sequel. <laughs> and why not? Hey, hey, we got to turn in Bill. <laughs> but the Bill is our creator. And we've got to take him down. That's right. Yeah. He's, he's going to have a good time too far. Yeah. Yeah, he made a bad time for a lot of people. <laughs> there we go. Right. Yeah, he, we'll get him while he's doing that Texas Instruments commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple Bill Cosby references in this episode. (laughs) How was he never on the Muppets? How was he never on the Muppets? Because he was an electric company, dude. Yeah, but that's not nothing to do with the Muppet show. No, no, but it was Sesame Street, and I think he just felt like a a rivalry with all things Sesame Street, including the Muppets, who were you know tied pretty closely to them to Sesame Street. It feels like it feels like right up his alley to like go and and be on the Muppet show. Like Steve Martin's on the Muppet show. Why aren't you on the Muppet show? That's you know weird. what? I think that it's to the Muppet Show's credit that Bill Cosby isn't on it. It's true, but they didn't know. Or maybe they did. Who maybe knows? They did. Yeah. Who knows what they know they know. You keep telling us about Jim Henson and, and uh, Frank Oz talking about 2021. Maybe they maybe they had a nah, they, they predict the future. Maybe it's possible. That Bill Cosby <laughs> movie was weird. The, the the best part of that uh sorry, uh Fat Albert movie was mm-hmm. where uh I'm trying to think of, who's the character who has the hat? Is that the, is that Mushmouth or is that Dumb Donald? <laughs> you, you are going past my fat Fat Albert knowledge, which is consists entirely that there's a character called Fat Albert on the show. That's my knowledge. Right. Fat, well, and also there's Bill. And I watched it as a kid. Yeah, the Bill was Bill Cosby. Yeah, yeah. That blew my mind when they mentioned that because because sometimes Bill Cosby would interact with them. It's like, well, you can't talk to your past self. <laughs> Why is that a rule? Yeah, you're you're interfering with the past. But no, but he's not. He's not interfering with the past. He's he's interfering with the retelling of the past. Okay, and by the way, it's Dumb Donald is the one with the hat. Oh, that's weird too. Okay, Um, Dumb Donald's uh, voice was done by uh, Louis Scheimer, the producer of all those filmation things. He was one of the names that always rotates at the at the end with the Archies or. Uh, Batman is like uh, he was—he was the guy who produced all those. Huh. They, like, even He-Man later on. Oh. But yeah, all those—all uh, those shows. Wow. Weird. New Adventures of Gilligan, uh, Ghostbusters, New Adventures of Mighty Mouse. Yeah, but he played uh, Dumb Donald. That's weird. <laughs> it's kind of strange. Yeah, that's a weird call. Yeah, that Albert was played in the. I'm talking the cartoon. Yeah, by Bill Cosby. Yep. Um, Mushmouth was played by Bill Cosby. Sure. Bill was played by Bill Cosby. Makes sense. Uh, Russell was played by a woman, Jan Crawford. Okay. Uh, Weird Harold, uh, Gerald Edwards, don't know who that is. And then Rudy, uh, Rude Rudy Davis was uh, Eric Sutter. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But yeah, okay, so Dumb Donald has the big uh, pink stocking cap 
covering his face. Yeah. And then at one point in the movie, uh, they he lifts it up, and the, everyone like is horrified, and it's because he's got no face. It's like <laughs> they never drew it, so he doesn't have one. Yeah. And it's a moment of ho- pure horror <laughs> in this movie for everyone con- concerned. <laughs> That's a weird. That's a weird choice, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like a being a horror movie in your movie. Yeah. Uh, okay. So here's the thing. Uh, January uh, 2013, Bill Cosby posted the following on his Facebook page, okay. saying, uh, "I'm telling you, there are people at work who will make Fat Albert happen again. It'll be loved for all generations to come." Uh, hinting that the series might come back once again. Uh, but uh, according to Wikipedia, no further word has been given yet. Hmm. Okay. Let me give the, let me give you some word. No, <laughs> it's not, not happening. No, it's not going to be. No, you know what? That Rolf Harris cartoon ain't coming back neither. <laughs> Whatever you were planning for that, there's no going to be no Rolf Harris cartoon. <laughs> nope, done. Yeah, I think we're uh, yeah. The Adventures of Jared from Subway. Nope, not going to. We're going to have that show either. None of those shows are going to happen. So you know, hey, I've got a show. Talk to me, and uh, I'm I'm I don't do that. So, huh? anyway, that's that, that we know of. Yeah, it's interesting. You just walk into. You seem really really nervous about me looking in your window, so I'm not certain. I just want to say before we start this pitch meeting, not a pedophile. <laughs> just to get that out of uh, not a pedophile. I am not a sex offender. I don't plan on being a sex offender. Uh-huh. I've never been one. Don't have any interest in being one. No, thank you. To me, for and that for you, I was about to say no offense to anyone who is, but lots of offense to anyone who is. So no. Anyway, <laughs> here's my idea for a kid show. <laughs> you don't know how massive fame will change you. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't think that's how it works. Maybe that's how it works. <laughs> well, who knows? Don't you get the feeling though when there's someone who's like a genuine creep? Uh, you know, and, and you don't even have to mention names, but just like show business, yeah. genuine. Yeah, and you go like, well, before they had money, they were probably a creep. They were just a creep who didn't have money, and then later they were a creep with some power and some money. Yeah, and so they used money and the creepiness and the power, and they put the thing. But they were uh, they were a creep before then. I don't think like uh, money comes in and immediately you you go to creep. Yeah, I'm sure it's part of the drive to power for them. Yeah, that's, that is is, yeah, is to have that, have that power to be. Those you know, things are connected. That is uh, that is in fact true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was having that discussion actually with my agent this this week. Uh, we we're talking about how uh, someone anyway uh, was uh, was uh, possibly a psychopath. Let's say that. Okay. Um, or a sociopath. One of the two. They're different things. Yes. Uh, but they were a successful producer. It's not who you're thinking. Uh, but uh, they're a successful producer, but they might be. Let's watch each other in the next summer. And and then it was like, yeah, that actually is not a bad thing to ha- to be uh, with that job because your job as a producer is to constantly be uh, an uh, asshole. Told no. Yeah, you gotta say you gotta be told no. Yeah. You and and go. I don't hear no. Yeah. I hear maybe or I hear yes. Yeah. And then and and while that is horrific in real life. Yeah. And certain. But in business, in that and show business, that's a good thing. You just go, I heard maybe. Let's keep going. And you don't take no for an answer. And then that impossible movie that you were going to make or TV show gets done. And that's the kind of person you want in that kind of job. But if they that spreads out to other things, oh, God, oh, boy. 
you know, that's uh, that is no good. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's it. You've got to like give people bad news a lot and you've got to tell people no and break their hearts. And and uh, they're going to come to you with some ideas and you're going to have to tell them no, even though the ideas are very important to them. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to tell them a good, solid no. Yeah. And maybe you'll say it in a jokey way, thinking, you know what, this is nicer. If I say it in a jokey way, <laughs> you now made it much, much, much worse. Because it sounds like you're making fun of them, yeah. as well as dismissing what they have to say. Mm-hmm. But you don't know it. Why? Because you're a sociopath. So you yeah. can take it. Yeah. Whereas a regular person would just be, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Uh, i gotta, uh, I got to care about this person's feelings. And then that, you know, you take their note and then the show goes to shit. <laughs> they're actors I mean, actors I, have bad ideas yeah. i mean yeah i mean hollywood as an industry like when people are like expressing like you know horror over like bullies and stuff like that who are producers i mean i mean probably most people in hollywood are like yeah <laughs> like, yeah this is this is the history of hollywood yeah, like, that sounds like so many people i know and yeah you're right you should call out that shit i'm all for calling out that shit but it is not a surprise. It's not and a surprise. It's pretty and, standard, yeah. And I mean, it's not just and it's not just producers and stuff like that. Like actors and actresses are also like horrible people in, in lots of cases. You know, like well, they have to be told no as well. That's right. So they have to like fight through all this go, bullshit too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to walk into. Here's the thing: as an actor, and I'm sorry, I will turn the floor over to you. No, no. Uh, again, but as you a may, former you may, actor, I'll take the ceiling. Please do. You have to walk into a room over and over and over again. Room full of people. Who are look like you a lot of the time. That's weird. You gotta walk in that room full of people and just go, you know what? Out of everyone in this room, I'm the best person for this job. Why? Why would you be the best person? I am. I'm in fact the only person for this job. And if I don't get it, the system is wrong. And then you go in and then you get a job and then oh boy, you believe it. And then you go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and you gotta do that over and over again. Or you get rejected and you gotta go, ah, I didn't want it. That was bullshit. It was, you know, you got to some way go, they were wrong. Instead of, well, obviously, there was 15 people in that room. Why'd you think you were going to get it? <laughs> Why would you think that? Yeah. You got you to, gotta, like, build yourself up in a way that's unnatural and, uh, and keep going forward. Yeah, I was actually just reading something from someone or listening to someone, t- someone talking about that and saying that, that, you know, like, that's part of, you know, the, the dri- drive is, like, to make, oh, it was Eric, Eric, Eric Banna, the Australian actor. Okay. Who's yeah. in, the, in the Incredible Hulk and uh, Dirty John and stuff like that? And he was saying, "That's what he was saying." Like, like he said, for in order for me to do a role, I had to believe that I was the only person who would could do that role. That there was mm-hmm. no one else who was competent enough to do that role, and I, that's what ma- motivated me to do it. You know, like I felt like no one else is going to do this role as well as I could. So I really need to do this role so it gets its full value, and full justice as will be done to this role. Which is an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting take on <laughs> what you're doing. You know. Here's the other thing you got to do. You got to go because I used to get quite a few commercials, and here's here was how I I got it was uh, first of all I was average looking, as in what average was on TV at the time. Yeah, like you know, uh, so that was you know you can you can you can gussy me up or you can put me down. You can make me you know a dad or you can make you know whatever you need to do. Yeah, make me a nerd, whatever you need to do. Um, so uh, you got to go into the room. And not give a shit. Just not give a shit. Because you see all the people that are in that room and their their legs are shaking and they're pacing and they're looking over the script over and over and over and they're nervous. And they're nervous because they give a shit. Yeah. And so all these people that are uh, 
auditioning you. They have to see people who are like really anxious over, and that makes them anxious because they're oh, it's really good to see how you're doing. Oh yeah, yeah, we auditioned for, yeah, we met before. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so if you go into the room and you're not rude, but you just are like you're just casual and you you calm the room down because you you don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, but then you you know hopefully do a good job of the part, and and then they'll usually give you a note if if you can take that note. And really take that note and don't question that note and go, yeah, because I thought maybe he <laughs> would want to have the hot dog. It was like, no, no. Just like, yeah, but he really wants the hot dog. Okay. Oh, man, I really like that hot dog. Oh, man, he took a note. This is going to be easy on set. Because they're looking for someone who's, like, easy to work with. Yeah. Who, you know, is not going to slow things down. Who's going to get this done quick. And, yeah, that's what, that's what you need to go in and just, like, don't give a shit. And it's uh, and if you, can, if you can do that, uh, it's a little bit of, uh, you know. Uh, I don't want to say you're a sociopath, but you're being a faux sociopath a little bit, not caring about things that you care about, just turning that part of your brain off. And uh, if you can do that, that really helps because it makes a calm energy that people uh, like. <laughs> so do you know the actor Eric Bana? Do you know him? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. He was a, he was a sketch comedian before. That's what I, that's what I learned. Some guy roles. Yeah. He was a stand-up comic and then he became a sketch comedian. He's a very funny sketch comedian, yeah. And then and then yeah, then got the role as as Chomper or Chopper, Chomper, Chomper in in Australia. Who who's like a a well-known thief in Australia? Okay, yeah, Chopper, yeah. Is it Chopper? I'm sorry. I thought it was Chomper, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe I was going to mix up with Romper Stomper. Two thousand, yeah, the 2000 Russell Crowe film. Yeah. yeah, and then and then it got offered uh, Black Hawk Down from mm-hmm. that, and then that seemed to turn his career into a different different direction, you know. But it's just sort of yeah, it's a curious thing, like for then, someone, yeah, and then he was in Hulk, yeah, as you said. Our our view of him as like a as like a straight actor, as a dramatic actor, when when his when his his origins are in in comedy. And, well, that's the nice thing is like, that's where he, he met his wife as well. Was doing that comedy show. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah it was. It was a. Uh, is it full? Full frontal. That's full frontal. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, was, I knew it was the same name. Okay, I was getting confused because I thought it was Comedy Inc. Because there's an Australian uh, sketch show called Comedy Inc. And I got a friend who's in Comedy Inc. The Canadian version. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was full. I knew it was the name of a show that also has a Canadian connection and full frontal. Samantha B has a show called Full Frontal. That's right. Um, but yeah, what I always think with with guys like that is. Oh, of course he can do it. First of all, he's got the handsome mush, which is great. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, that's that's a good starting point. Walk into a room, say, that guy, nice. <laughs> uh, but because he's done sketch, he, when you do a sketch show, it's uh, so much experience, you know, doing a lot of short things, but like a lot of different characters, a lot of stuff. You got you to gotta set it up fast. You got to take it down fast. You don't have time to be, let me get into my part. Let me, what would I, how do I feel about the, just get in there. Okay, all right. I, I, all the crazy guys giving fried chicken. I, dingo, dingo, dingo. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess that's how he got the role for Chopper, is that the person, the actual Chopper, the actual man who was Chopper, thought he was the only person who was crazy enough to do the role justice. That's sure. because he saw him on Full Frontal doing For crazy seven stuff. seven yeah. seasons. Seventh seasons. Seven wow. seasons. Wow, wow. Yeah. Good for him. That's, that's, a, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of experience. That is a really good acting school. Yeah. Going yeah. to go, a sketch comedy show like that, especially one where you're, let's see, there's like five main cast members. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, that's great. You're going to play a lot of parts. And even better, even better for him is it's, it's somewhere where no one will ever see it. 
Mm. And so you can be something totally different from that. Like in Australia, it would be yeah. hard to break out of that. But once you come to America, you are not that comedy guy. You can be whatever you want here. You know, that's the Canadian. That's the Canadian gift as well. Mm-hmm. As you can yeah. uh, do as much as you want in Canada, and you'll never <laughs> see it. And then, then there you go. Yeah. Unless you know you're in something like uh kim's convenience or a shit's creek in which case well well, they both took off yeah when their breakout shows i mean corner grass would be the same when their breakout shows yeah corner grass a little less so Mm -hmm. uh but uh for sure shit's creek you know well i think corner gas is separate because it was just pre-streaming services so it kind of missed out on that on that golden harvest that shit's creek and kim's convenience got of being out there you know, and then I think for, with Shit's Creek, definitely helped by the pandemic for sure. You know, like that's when the show really took off and people's interest just kind of had the right tone for people who were kind of stuck and suffering. You know, here's a show with a lot of heart and hope in it, you know, so. Yeah, that's I think. Want. Uh, you want to watch this, want to watch this really mean spirited show that's full of uh, people hurting each other and stuff like that right now? No, not really. <laughs> not really something I want to watch. How about this show about it's kind of funny and people kind of like each other? How about that show? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Well, what, uh, I mean, those of you that aren't Canadian, and uh, many of you aren't, but, you know, you could be if you want. I'm not Canadian. Um, yeah, yeah, you're Canadian enough. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the things about being Canadian was, for the longest time, we never had a successful sitcom. We had, like, a sitcom called King of Kensington mm-hmm. in, like, the 70s. Yeah. And then nothing. And occasionally you'd have something hey, like... The Beachcombers was popular. Not a sitcom. Oh, okay. That's true. Uh, and we did have dramedies. We had dramedies coming out of the... <laughs> Don't worry about those. But we didn't have sitcoms. And yeah, so you'd yeah. have stuff like uh, Don Adams' Check It Out. Really? You know, where you know he basically would be playing the, the same voice he always plays. But he, <laughs> it, that thing had three seasons. And he was yeah. just a, a jerk running a, a supermarket. It's awful. It's terrible. Yeah. But Well, there's know, one reason know. why that was the case. What's that? Well, we don't have like the pilot season that they have in the states, right? Like we don't have an industry that's producing not just tens of shows, but hundreds of shows that are. So there's a huge amount of shows that are being produced. Like here in Canada, when you're going to do Blackfly or whatever you're going to do, is that what the show is called with Ron? Ron James and Colin Mockery. Are you talking about former guest of the show Colin Mockery, uh, Dave? Yeah, I am. I didn't know he was on the show, actually. (laughs) He was. He did appear on the show. So anyway, if you're going to do that show, you're going to do that show. You're not going to do like a pilot episode and go, is it good or is it bad? You're just going to do that show. You're going to make blank amount of episodes of that show. And those shows are going to, that's just going to be on. And if it's no good... It's still going to be on, and it's going to be a whole season of that show that was okay. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, there's no time where that show is going to go through like the filter of a pilot season, and people are going to be madly trying to like compete against other pilots to try to get attention. No, they signed. You know, they they presented something to CBC. They said we got Ron James. He's very popular. We got Colin Mockery. He's very popular. He's going to be the yeah. Colin Mockery actually was the uptight. Uh, authority figure. Okay. And so we're going to have these two kind of rubbing against each other in the show, not literally, but, you know, uh, and then it's going to, you know, and so CBC says, okay, we'll take 13 episodes or whatever. And that's it. That's it. You don't have to like fight for it. You don't have to argue about it. You don't have to do anything. You just need to write 13 episodes of the show and they're going to be on the air no matter what. So, you know, it's, it's, there's this, it's, it's like, it's less, survival of the fittest that you get in, in, in LA where I think 
you know, still, it's complete garbage is often produced, right? But sometimes, out of all that stuff, you get some stellar sitcoms over time. Yeah, you had uh, Rick Mercer did Made in Canada, mm-hmm. which I think had two seasons, but they were always like six episodes long. They were doing the British version. Yeah, yeah. And also the newsroom, uh, Kevin Finkel, Finkelman, the guy who Ken, wrote... Uh, Ken, Ken Finkelman, yeah. Finkel, yeah, Finkelman, uh, who, uh, oh, Canada loved for a while. Uh, yeah, <laughs> did the newsroom and, you know... Did that it was basically, of, a Larry, basically a Larry Sanders takeoff. Yes, it, that's what it felt like. It was that vibe. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, Black Fly felt like they were trying to do a Black Adder type thing. You know, okay. Um, and, you know, you do what you do. With the but scoundrel, then, with the, like a Bilko kind of a thing, too. Like, basically, Black Fly, or Black Adder is Sergeant Bilko in... In the past, yes, and uh, Black Fly was Sergeant Bilko in a, in a in a northern setting, like a northern Ontario setting. Yes. So, uh, but what we didn't have was like a proper sitcom, sitcom, mm-hmm. uh, like a, a situation comedy, a main character, you know, lots of crazy characters around them, but like sitcom. Yeah. And it still wasn't a you know it still wasn't a filmed in front of a live audience thing, but uh, uh, Brent Butt was the you know, uh, one of the most popular uh, stand-ups in Canada, mm-hmm. and CTV had enough money at the time to develop uh, things. With they did a pilot where, like, he uh, dreamt he had a talk show, which didn't quite work. I still liked it, but it, did, it didn't quite work. Uh, if you if you uh, listen to the uh, his podcast, uh, Butt Pod, I'm on an episode, and we do talk about that pilot that that he did. Uh, that was on, was that was on CBC, Brent. though. That pilot. Uh, yeah, it was bedtime with Brent Button. That yeah, was yeah, uh, for CBC. Yeah, so yeah. he had a failed kind of CBC pilot, but and so it, he CTV was a court in him, and uh, and and they developed it together. And it was one of the first ones where they went like, "Yeah, we want to be funny first. Like first and foremost, let's make this funny." Uh, and then they built it out. They they cast it, uh, and. And then it was kind of a hit from the start. Yeah. And then the ratings just grew and grew and grew and kept growing. And, you know, I, uh, I've i got friends who are in it. And, you know, I, I didn't watch it on the regular. It wasn't 100% for me. But I, but I, I knew what they were doing and uh, they were doing it well. And Canada loved it. And it was getting like, you know, 1.5 million viewers, which is insane in Canada you know, an episode. Yeah. Then they uh, wrapped it up after I think eight seasons and did a movie and the movie actually did very, very well. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, it, uh, then they did an animated version later and that's doing really, really well. So uh, it broke the curse of the Canadian sitcom that, <laughs> and, then, and then you got like a Mr. D, which is another sitcom based on a standup, you know, who's like teaching in the school and I know yeah. a bunch of people in that uh, you got, but you also got knockoffs like Little Mosque on the Prairie, which felt really like they were trying to be, uh, you know, as an, as they're on the Prairie, uh, two shows on the Prairie, hey, fine. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, you got the breakout shows of something like uh, Shit's Creek and Kim's Convenience, uh, where uh, all of a sudden it had real heart to it, and like, oof, now it's now it all seems to be a, an actual thing you could do. You could do a sitcom in Canada. But I think Schitt's Creek kind of uh, plays its cards close to his chest. I don't think it's it's set in Canada. Okay. Well, what? Uh, yeah. I, I know but, it's filmed in Canada, but I don't think the show is set in Canada. Okay, fair. Um, but what they what they did, which was the hidden thing, and I was actually talking to my wife about this too, which was it looks like they were going to do. You know, when you when you're seeing it, it's like it's kind of a dirty name, so you have a laugh at that. Yeah. The kind of name that 
uh, you know, news people like to say on the air because they can get away with saying something. <laughs> not so good. That's all right. Yeah. You know, they like to interview uh, uh, Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy. We still love them from SCTV and all the things they've done. Mm-hmm. That's great. So that'll, that'll get you up. But it sounds like, oh, the rich snobs, they have to go to the hick town. Yeah. Going to be a Green Acres type situation. Yeah. And it kind of starts that go. way. It does start that it way. Kinda, yeah, that's right. They pay off what that is mm-hmm. off the very top. Yeah. But then what uh, Dan Levy, who kind of took over the show and was the co-creator, yeah. uh, went with it was like, Hey, what if there was a world where there was no homophobia? What, <laughs> what if this that just didn't exist? And yeah. they just took that right off the table. No one's ever gonna go, hey, and use a word. Yeah, They're yeah. never gonna do that. And like and, and then it's all basically about people, you know, again, like parks and rec. People who love each other are trying the best they can, but they're screwing up. Yeah. But they really do love each other. Yeah. And it's all about love and friendship and the importance of this and family. And and ugh, People didn't expect it. It was like this backdoor, sneaky, feet yeah. thing of just like, oh, it's about <laughs> deeper things. And yeah. uh, and then uh, the audience grew and grew and grew and grew. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. I think to me personally, I think that the show, uh, I think the sea change in that show was the the final episode of the first season where they have the dinner with, with their former friends from New York. And it kind of contrasts. I, I didn't see it, but please go okay, ahead. Okay, so it kind of contrasts their friendship with with Roland shit, like the mayor of the town and his wife, and who they kind of they kind of they don't want to go out for dinner with, and so they they lie that they're not going out for dinner, mm-hmm. and then they go out for dinner and they meet these friends from New York, and of course they're and, there. And the mayor, sorry, is played by Chris Elliott. That's correct. Okay, good. And so and so then they're with these friends at the restaurant from New York City, and of course they're trying to like downplay the situation they're in, and these friends are of course you know. Uh, talking all about New York, and they're they're you know trying to play the, who they aren't anymore. And then Roland and his wife come, and of course it's awkward now because they've they've lied to them that they weren't going to this restaurant, and here they are, you know. And and the Roland and his wife had invited them to go to this restaurant, and then they they had you know lied that they weren't going to go, and then here they are there, right? So so they end up sitting all together, but the New Yorkers are making fun of of Ro- you know the shits Roland and his wife, whose name I can't remember, sorry, and. Yeah, rolling shit and uh, oh, 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 sorry, yeah, I know, sorry. I know. <coughs> excuse me, I feel bad that I don't remember her name, but I, <clears throat> excuse me, I always have trouble remembering her name for some reason. Um, and so, yeah, and so they're making fun of, and so then Johnny, the the uh, Eugene Levy character, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> I've lost my my voice. Just a little bit of seasonal allergies. Um, no, please take a drink of some sort of you. I I finished my drink anyway. So then. Uh, he comes to the defense of Roland and his wife and talks, you know, and comes to the defense of this town and, and, you know, and talks about how the fact that these people abandoned them when they were, when they lost their money, when they were in need, there, these, none of their quote unquote New York friends were there for them. You know, their, their new friends, the people who are supporting them now are these people, you know, and it's just a great, it's basically when the show changed from being like kind of a, a show mocking, you know, making fun of this town and it became more about, no, this is a place where who's accepted these people who were lost, who lost their friends, who lost their lives, and welcomed them and and included them in this world. And that's where the second season, once again, typical typical sitcoms, right? It kind of takes a while for it to figure out what it exactly is, you know, because at first you want to do the obvious what it is, you know, Green Acres, and then you start doing the oh no, it's this, you know, and then then the show really starts to take off. And although the first season to me is enjoyable, but often people 
but it is it is a little bit different in tone than than this than the rest of the show. Yeah, if you're if you're an American uh, and 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 you're uh, and you're watching this show and like you go like oh it's the guy from American Pie and oh the weirdo from David Letterman yeah. and Get a Life yeah. oh this is going to be you know a bunch of you know very blue jokes yeah. and shit's Creek. clearly I get where this is going it's a yeah. South Parky type situation oh it's about love what the fuck what are you doing <laughs> what are you doing here. I don't know. No, I think also it also has it also has the billboard into town and stuff like that, you know. So I mean, it's got it's got its crude elements to it as well. It doesn't it doesn't sure. shy away it doesn't shy away from the fun. But Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara also, besides SCTV, built so much goodwill through the uh, Christopher Guest movies, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you know, A Mighty Wind and what have you. And yeah, so that's it, true. It's, and the funny thing to me is like is Catherine O'Hara. Good God, Catherine O'Hara. Mm-hmm. You know, there's someone who was playing a mum in uh, Beetlejuice. She was Winona Ryder's mum. She's great. In she movie. was the mum in Home Alone. Mm-hmm. And she's playing the mum now. <laughs> and like, like decades on decades on decades, yeah. she's the mum. And you think like, oh, she's being typecast and stereotyped. And it's like, couldn't be more different. Yeah, I was going to say, played. her character in Mo- as Moira is so, is, is like. Uh, well, the character she crazy. plays in Beetlejuice is bananas. <laughs> Yeah, you know? somehow Moira takes it to the, oh, just the way she speaks and everything. Oh, it's so great. Yeah, and uh, people have asked, like, what's your accent? I don't know. <laughs> fun. Just made up an accent. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Well, apparently, apparently they just brought, she only agreed to do the pilot. That's how they get you. That's how, yeah, that's, that's, that's what they, that's what they said, too. You get the actor, you get the actor in, get the pilot, <laughs> just, and then they go, this is fun. They just this said, we, we can't sell the show without you. You know, we, we ha- you have to help us with the show. So she said, okay. And then, yeah. uh, and then, when she was in, she was in, yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. That's a that's a really great story. I got I, highly, I highly recommend yeah. watching the Netflix uh, kind of post show special about the creation of the show, and, and there's lots of fun interviews. Oh, is there a, is there a Netflix yeah yeah? Special? If you go to Netflix, there's like a really nice kind of overview of like all the seasons and talks to the actors, and oh, it's really cool. fun because you get to see their auditions and you get to see uh, you get to see like. Uh, Moira being like Catherine O'Hara being costumed as Moira and and just the just how much time they spend with that is also amazing because that's really like such a key to her character. Mm-hmm. Like she basically says, like I'm acting with I'm acting with the clothes I have, you know. Like I'm that's that's what's you know. But uh, yeah, the costumes in that show are there's. <laughs> now I'm just thinking about the the episode with um, Dan Levy when his character is uh, just sitting in the field when he when he runs away from home and he ends up living with Mennonites. And there's a scene where they they find him and he's just like crouched in the field by this Mennonite girl scything the 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 hay the hay and he's he's wearing this jacket that's almost like a monkey he almost looked like a monkey it's just like this big kind of furry um, hoodie that he's wearing and he's just sort of crouched over in the field and I know this family's so sick of him they want him to be gone so badly but they're they're too polite to say so but you can just see in all their body language and, and glances that's you know that uh, no no you go back to your family you you know. They've suffered enough without you, you know. So yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good show. I, I would, uh, I might even watch it again one day. Oh, that's uh, that's uh, again uh, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara. <laughs> they did SCTV. Yeah. Do insane amount of characters, and you get to oh, it's just the best acting acting class. It's just the best. Oh, and but there's, so, like, there's so many other good people on it too. I mean, uh, John. Oh, and I can't remember his name, but he was on like the later seasons of SCTV, and also started in Maniac Mansion with Joe Flaherty. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He 
was yeah 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 he was the he was the fly in uh, Maniac Mansion I think yeah yeah that's right yeah he's a good yeah guy. The, yeah, yeah. he's a fly with the guy's head and uh, Robin Duke who makes an appearance Robin in there. Duke like Robin oh Duke. who runs the blouse barn oh she's great <laughs> she's great it gets t- taken over by uh, by um, Dan Levy's character and he's he's like you know turns it into this place that's way too expensive in in New York for for the town they're in and poor poor. Uh, Robin Duke's character is just like slowly sinking her, you know, her credit card into into the dirt. She's trying to like, you know, keep this place keep this place afloat. But in no time does she complain about this. You know, she's oh, it's so it's just uh, I can't. It's, that's just a great show. Every 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 part of that show is good. You know, the when um when Moira and Roland's wife whose name I can't remember uh, are like rivals are ri- rivals running for for the town council mm-hmm. and. Uh, she goes to the store where where you know Moira's son works and and his character can't you know he shouldn't be helping helping the his mom's rival but he's just kind of like you know if you picked up something maybe from over here and he kind of like pushes all all the clothes aside so there's just one thing hanging there something there might be good for you and maybe you went over here and he pushes a bunch of clothes aside and there's this one piece of clothes hanging there maybe grab something off this rack might you know it's just so you know he's just so kind hearted he can't he can't say no to her yeah it's just you know. Yeah, it's just a it's a good show. I highly recommend this is, it. This is, uh, speaking of Robin Duke, this is one of the weird things about doing anything Canadian show busy at all. Yeah, uh, you will eventually be like nominated for some thing. Yeah, and you'll go to uh, awards things in small towns or weird towns. <laughs> yeah. like London, Ontario, sure. and 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 you'll be hanging out just doing shit, and then Robin Duke will show up. And you're both people, and then you end up talking, and you end up hanging out for a while, and then and then uh, Jane Eastwood will show up, and uh, and uh, she'll need to know something, and then we'll just start talking, and then we're hanging out, and she's in a comedy group with Robin Duke, and and, and, and we're all talking, and I want to just like stop at one point and just go, does this feel normal to you guys? Because it really doesn't to me. This is completely surreal. Yeah. And as a comedy fan, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous that we're all talking together. Because you're Robin Goddamn Duke, and I know <laughs> everything you've done. And hey, Jay Eastwood, you were on a season too. <laughs> yeah, you were in Going Down the Road, and then the parody of Going Down the Road on SCTV. And don't you tell me you're not amazing. And yeah. Robin Duke, I know it's just uh, insane. And yeah, oh, we're all hanging out, and we're just talking because we're people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's is right. And then all of a sudden, uh, Eric Peterson shows up. And we're all and we're all now hanging out. And we're like, oh, you want to go for lunch? Yeah, I want to go to lunch with Eric Peterson. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Eric Peterson, I didn't watch the video of Billy Bishop goes to war. I don't know fifty times. I didn't watch that. I don't. This is crazy. What's wrong? You even made me watch it. Ah, tell you. And I ended up seeing him do it live at Vancouver Playhouse. Older and yeah, it's a tour de force. Yeah, all I'm saying is uh, do something in the industry that you like, and then you will meet all the people who you admire, and then you will feel really, really weird about it. And one more thing and about one, one more thing about Schitt's Creek. Okay, please. Is uh, the sister Alexis has has the the biggest story, character arc? I think that's that's also really interesting. Who plays? Uh, who plays that? Oh yeah, I yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. I, I don't. Know I don't know the actress. I think it's like a, yeah. one of her first roles that she ever. Yeah. She's. Uh, Edition she's now doing like door, good DoorDash ads too. That okay. Are pretty funny. Okay. Yeah, she's a great comedian, but she also her character really 
really grows and during the things during the time of the show it's really uh it's a fun it's a fun thing to watch excellent i'm so glad when things work out like that <laughs> so yeah so if you haven't seen schitt's creek because just because you thought like me initially oh that's that's not a well because one. listen i'll tell you why because uh i used to get mtv canada mm-hmm. and dan levy was uh, one of the hosts on mtv yes, canada right. and everyone on mtv canada was really annoying like really annoying. <laughs> and it was just like, Ugh. so when I saw like he had a sitcom with his dad, I was yeah. like, okay. So you guys made a sitcom. Okay. That's fine. You know, and I had no idea he was good at anything. Who would I know? <laughs> because, you know, it's like yeah. he was on the show and I think like, uh, Brian Mulroney's son was on the show and it was just like, when you just call the show, do you know who my dad is? Why don't you just do that? Why don't you just call the show that? And uh, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, ben Mulroney would go to like award shows and, and this is what he would do. This is what he'd do. He'd go to like the Oscars. Yeah. He'd be in the, he'd go to the Oscars and he'd be like, uh, you have the microphone. And so you got to like ask a question of celebrities fast. Yeah. Or just like, Hey, 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 what do you think about that? And so he would always say, uh, uh, Canada says hello. And he'd say that over and over again. What the fuck does that mean? Canada <laughs> says hello. There's nothing you can say back. There's nothing except, that's nice. That's nice. Hi, Canada. Awkward smile. I love Canada. Canada's great. What the hell is that? That's nothing. <laughs> they sent you here and you. Canada says hello. <laughs> maybe, Do your work. Maybe Do they maybe work. they sent him with that with that mission. Just to say Canada yeah. says hello. They're like I want you to go down there, Ben, and just yell Canada says hello. Right. To all what the you're celebrities. Doing could be done by a sign. <laughs> a sign with a happy beaver giving a thumbs up. <laughs> That'd be it. Like, we don't need you, Ben. What the fuck is that? That's bullshit. And I think some of my uh, heat for Ben uh, was taken to Dan, and I apologize. It's not your fault who your parents are. I respect your parents very much. I respect Catherine Hera very much. Uh, she does everything she does with all of her organs on the wrong side of her body. And I got to admire that. Oh, is that so, right? She has all the organs yeah. on the wrong side of her body. All the organs are on the other side of her body, yep. And Which, I know that because yeah. I went to um, – I, I, I was a warm-up act at a, at a TV show called Terminal City yeah. uh, here in town. I did my work, and I talked to the audience. Um, <laughs> and uh, we were just talking to the audience. And then at one point, I uh, asked something about someone who was in, in the audience. And she and said, does anyone here have a famous relative? And uh, put up her hand. And she said, yeah, my aunt is Catherine O'Hara. And, like, and everyone just burst into applause because they're like, they love Catherine O'Hara so much. It was like, oh, it was nice. It was a nice moment. And I went like, okay, so what I need you to do is tell us something about Catherine O'Hara that nobody knows. And she went, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I got something. Uh, she was born with all her organs on the other side of her body, so her heart's on the other side. All the organs are on the other side. And it was like, that's good information. And I thought to myself, okay. I hope nothing ever bad happens to Catherine O'Hara. <laughs> but if it does, and I'm on set with her, and she collapses on set, yeah. and someone rushes up to give her first aid, yeah. I will I will be the one to go, hey, 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 organs are on the other side. <laughs> and then later the lay, you saved our life, her life. Yeah. Because we would have... Uh, applied, the, you, applied the defibrillator to the wrong side of her body. Right. That's right. And also, her, <laughs> we would have done something to the wrong lung... I know there's too long, so it doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. That's we right. would have tried to take out her appendix. That's right. We would have been like, where is it? That's right. That would have been a problem. Where is it? We're digging and digging. Emergency You're digging appendectomy. Oh, my gosh. 
that's right. We got the spleen. So... We have a spleen. Where's our appendix? Oh, it's all mixed up in here. I got all lost. <laughs> and then Eugene Levy comes in and slips on all the gore. Whoa! And it's like, now's not the time for this. <laughs> I'm elbows deep in here. That's right. Well, I got to tell you a little story then. Please. About, about a girl I know. <laughs> about his babies who were born. They're twins. And it was a very sad story, though. Okay. Because one of the babies was one of the babies was perfectly fine, and the other babies was had a defect. It had a heart problem, and its organs were mixed up in some way. And pretty much what they expected was one baby would be born fine, the other baby would be still a stillbirth. But of course, some of them had to take it to full term because the the other the one twin was alive and fine, and the other baby was doomed basically. Okay. And so she had the babies. In Miracle of Miracles, the baby that was supposed to die right away lived. It lived for two weeks, and it was fine. And it lived for two more weeks, and it was fine. And it lived for three months. And at that point, they said, well, we can do the heart operation, because she seems to be okay. So they did the heart operation on her. And now she's like three years old, and she's perfectly fine. And it's just like the most amazing thing. Like every... Every week we look at see you know we see pictures of her on Facebook and we just look and just think there she is the little miracle baby oh my god so lucky oh that's fantastic we can remember when she was yellow and now she's just perfectly healthy and fine oh my god and so tiny and her and her and her sister who was healthy was so much bigger than her and now now they're the same in some ways she's surpassed her other sister because she had so much more to overcome she's she's much more she's way more motivated to to you know so yeah it's a it's a real story. I just thought you made me think of that because of uh, Catherine O'Hara being born that way with the organs on the wrong side and this little girl. No, that's a really great story. Because they thought, they thought the organs were upside down and so that she, her body wouldn't be able to process properly. But it turned out that even though they were like in a jumble, it was okay, the, the configuration they were. And so everything kind of worked out okay. And then it was just the only other problem was this heart shunt or whatever wasn't, was not working properly. But when she reached a certain age, they were able to successfully operate on it, which is a miracle oh, wow. that you're operating on a baby, a three-month-old baby's heart. But yeah, but yeah, they did that, and there she is, still still alive, still still having, having fun, smiling for cameras. And you just get to see her and go, Tear. Oh, <laughs> I never even, I've never even seen her in real life. I just, but I just kind of lived no. this. I lived this story vicariously through through Lisa, and because she knows our this woman thoughts. through through writing and through writing and. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, our thoughts are uh, <laughs> with with the family, and uh, we're wishing them all the love in the world. Thanks. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, I th- Dave, a, oh, yeah, I was going to say. I was just going to say. I think. I think we've reached the time of the show, which is yeah. time for you to do a few few plugs. Because I got to run okay. in the house and grab my my notebook because we also okay. know that it's Try time for uh, a glass of water too. Why not? Dork shadows. So I'll be right back. Yeah. I'll be right back. Yeah. Hi everybody. Uh, it's the time where I just got to go. Dave is making me do this show. Dave is making me do this show. I've I've been trying to get out of this show for like about seven years now, and uh, he's got some information about me from high school. And uh, anyway, I should just do do these plugs. Um, hey, look. Here's the thing. If you want to listen to uh, more of these podcasts, we've got a lot more, and they're at SneakyDragon.com. We've done podcasts about the Beatles. We've done podcasts about Tintin. We've done podcasts about the Marx Brothers, and they're all available uh, for free. So please go and check those out. Uh, Dave and I work together on a a kid's book called Sparks that's going to be a trilogy. Uh, We have two of the books already out in stores right now. One is called Sparks. One is called Sparks Double Dog Dare. And the third one, Sparks Future Perfect, 
uh, is going to be coming out uh, at the beginning of next year. Why is it called that? That's an odd name because it involves cats. Oh, I don't like cats. I like dogs. You say, wait, hold it. These are cats that dress up as a dog because no one takes cats seriously. And uh, they save the world in various ways through various books. They are for kids. They're from uh, Scholastic's graphics line. Uh, the artist on the book is Nina Matsumoto. I write them. Dave draw, uh, does the coloring on them and does a fantastic job uh, coloring them indeed. They have been bestsellers in Canada uh, for months at a time. And uh, if you want to pick them up, uh, get them forever. Books are sold. Uh, ideally, your local bookseller. But if you can't, eh, you can Amazon it. We're, we're going to look the other way. Uh, and if you feel like supporting this show, uh, Sneaky Dragon has a Patreon account at uh, uh, patreon.com slash sneaky dragon or go to our website and just click on the Patreon link and you can throw us a couple of bucks if you feel like it on a monthly basis. And back to Dave. Are you there? Yes, I'm back. Hello, everyone. Okay, very good. Sorry I disappeared there. No I, Usually I forget my tablet in the house. But this time I forgot my, my notebook. No. Uh, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to say before we go on that uh, I just wanted to remind people that the newest episode of Listening Party dropped on Thursday, so uh, be sure to give Come that show a listen. And then, um, so I also want to remind people that I did a I did a couple of episodes of the Dirty Harry Minute podcast, and those can be found um, at Dirty Harry Minute. If you search, if you Google search that, you'll find the show. Also, we have posted the link a couple times on the website. So, and uh, now that you're mentioning that. That makes me go uh, through my uh, uh, Twitter real fast to see what podcast I was on. Hey, gosh darn it, I'll tell you. I did a podcast with Nina Matsumoto. Oh, boy, did I ever. And uh, fun times were had by, gosh darn it, name the damn podcast. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, the podcast is good. Yeah. It's a damn good uh, – Simpsons is greater than – uh, is the uh, looks like the name of the podcast? Okay, uh, but uh, yeah, I did the podcast. Uh, Nina Matsumoto did the podcast, uh, and we talked about our time working at Bongo Comics. Oh, cool! And uh, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was great fun. So the show is called Simpsons Are Greater Than. Simpsons is greater than. Oh, sorry, Simpsons is greater than dot dot dot. Yeah, bum, 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 bum. and so uh, yeah, uh, check that out. And also, if you go on Twitter and, and enter Simpsons is greater than, you'll get the uh, or it's like at Simpsons is great. Yeah, uh, you will get their uh, or their or if you go to the website, we'll have the, the link posted there. Ah, uh, also good, also <laughs> so very very good. And I'll do one more quick plug while I'm here. Uh, yeah. Mannequin on the Moon is a, a daily comic strip I do with my wife Pia Guerra. It's available at GoComics.com, uh, and that is for free. Go check it out if you like it. Hit like that helps us out. Sure. Uh, Mannequin on the Moon daily joke comic. Okay, <laughs> listen, Dave. Yeah. What are vampires doing in the 70s nowadays? <laughs> well, this is still the 60s. Just okay. point that out. This is still the 60s. So, you know, we're only at episode... So not cocaine yet. Not cocaine yet. We're still at episode 580-something, so we're not we're not in the thousands yet when we're in the... When we get to the okay. 70s. Which is crazy, but there you go. <laughs> so, where would, did we leave off last time, everyone? Well, as you remember, Julia and Barnabas are being forced by... A very angry, a suddenly very angry Adam. He went from being like a, a violent child to becoming a manipulative monster, which is fine, <gasps> which is fine. But that's just the reality. Um, Sounds like he'd be a good TV producer. <laughs> big film producer. That's right. No. What if, we, uh, what if we add a new character? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. You know, an interesting thing about Dark Shadows is that um, 
the budget limited how many characters could be in an episode per week. Sure. So you you know you could you'd have to like write you know if you wrote an episode you had to like keep track of how many characters were showing up otherwise you'd exceed the budget. Which I always kind of find kind of interesting. So so um, yeah so Adam is forcing Julia and Barnabas to uh, make a, a mate for him. He wants he wants his own Eve. Okay. And then. Because Barnabas wanted to use Maggie Evans as the life force for this for this um, duplication of the original original operation that created Adam, um, he wanted to use Maggie Evans, and Willie objected to that. So he kidnapped uh, Maggie and oh. and put her put her in a uh, put her in the um, the secret room at the Collins Mausoleum, okay, where she was. Her memory was jogged by these familiar surroundings into remembering that Barnabas kidnapped her in the past and was a vampire. So now, as I said, they need a life force for this operation. That's what, that's what they need. So Maggie Evans is out of the picture because she's been hidden away by a Willie who will not reveal where, where she is to Barnabas. And so, which is fine with, with Nicholas Blair, because as we know, Nicholas Blair, who's evil incarnate for whatever reason has the hots for Maggie Evans, Mm -hmm. really interested in her, whether it's for evil purposes or he just finds her, guileless innocence attractive we don't know so but he he didn't want maggie evans to do this so he hypnotized carolyn into thinking that she should volunteer to become the life force for Mm. for adam and we also know that this is possibly very very dangerous but she has come to barnabas and said i will be the life force for barnabas now like i said willie comes to the old house to tell barnabas that maggie evans has uh, remembered the past and remembers what what Barnabas did to her. And uh, what's interesting about see now here's a I don't know if I've talked very much about the technical elements of of Dark Shadows, but it was working under a weird series of of limitations. I guess I could say, which all soap operas at this time were operating under. One of the one of those limitations was well, they were videotaped, and there it was too bothersome and too too much work to edit videotape so they weren't edited they were okay. they were filmed live to tape so whatever mistakes happened while they were filming they didn't bother to refilm it they just carried on and that's why stage actors were really good to use for these shows because they were used to like motoring through you know mishaps on stage you didn't stop this the play and say to the audience oh do you mind if we start scene one again is that okay you just kept on going it didn't matter if one of the actors showed up drunk or someone yeah. forgot all their lines or a light, you know, turned askew and was, was highlighting the bust of a statue uh, in the corner of the stage for, for the, the entire scene. It didn't matter, right? You just had to keep on, on working. So, you know, it didn't matter that like regularly boom mics drop into shots, that cameras are looking at the wrong place sometimes that the mus- the cue the musical cues start while someone's still talking that the actors start their next line while the other person hasn't finished theirs that Jonathan Freed who p- played Barnabas Collins was possibly had possibly seemed to have the worst memory of any actor who's ever apparently been a Shakespearean actor and so you know it's uh it's just like a series of 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 constantly almost disaster and, but that was just part of the show. In episode 280, which is something I didn't mention, because I, I, I don't know, I forgot about it, I guess. The set actually lights on fire during the scene, but the actors just keep on acting as if it's not on fire. And then when the scene's over, you can hear 
a bunch of rustling and stuff and extinguishers going off to take out to to put out the fire while they're doing the next scene. You know, it just it's just crazy, right? There was a show a week ago in like the the way the show worked where because they had spent so much time trying to f- film the flashback sequences, mm-hmm. they ran out of time for rehearsals. So they just ended up filming the dress rehearsal, and the show was a co- was a continual disaster the whole time <laughs> because no one, none of the actors or the crew, knew what was supposed to be happening. But the show must go on, right? So did they learn from that? No. So for this episode with Maggie, they were like restaging flashback sequences to um. Like her and and Bar- when Barnabas kidnapped her, because they just they didn't they didn't I guess they couldn't be bothered to like go back and find the original footage from oh, the wow. shows, so they just restage. So you get to stuff stuff that you saw in black and white, you know, a year ago or however long this was. Now you can watch in in full color as they restage them, and that's kind of it's sort of it's kind of cool that way. But anyway, so Barnabas is going to send Julia to take care of this, Julia, you know, because Maggie. Part of the criteria for Maggie being the life force was that a no one would miss her because you know she lives by herself. Her father's been killed, right? Uh, blinded by Angelique and then killed by Adam. Lucky guy. And then, mm-hmm. and then, uh, so she's by herself. But also, she's controllable because they know that because in the past he almost hypnotized her into thinking she was Josette. You know, until she was freed by Sarah, the ghost of Sarah, and then. She was hypnotized after that by Julia into forgetting any of this happened, right? And so he's well, he's going to send Julia to to take care of Maggie, but Adam arrives and forbids her to leave, and he says this classic: "No, you can't go. <laughs> you have to you have to uh, make me a mate. This is the agreement. If you don't, I'm going to kill everyone. So get into the basement and start working." And but they're like, well, no, we can't because, you know, and he's like, I don't care about that. I want you to make, th-. and then Willie decides he's going to go upstairs, which Adam's all mad about. But then Willie goes upstairs anyway and then proves why he shouldn't have gone, Adam shouldn't have allowed him. Because then he, he gets a rifle and he's pointing at Adam and saying he's going to shoot him. And then Adam goes up the stairs and just knocks the rifle out of out of Willie's hand and then knocks him down and then points a rifle at uh, Barnabas and Julia and says, get to work. Oof. And so they have to go into the basement and uh, and start start working and so you get a lot of um you get a lot of julia fiddling around with the with the instruments and stuff you know they have a few things in there they have like an arc you know a sort of thing that makes like a an arc between two two poles you know they've got some big wall switches you can push up and down they've got some some oscilloscopes you know they can talk about sine waves as some being some sort of important reading for the the health of the of the of the person giving the life force so carolyn is strapped down to the table and uh, Julia begins the process after trying and failing to get Adam to leave. So they want, you know, they don't want Adam there. He doesn't know what's going on. He's, like, he's no big help. And he's also going to be too concerned for Carolyn to want to be a witness to the painful process this is supposed to entail. Sorry, I dropped my glasses on the floor. Oh, 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 oh good. I didn't fall on the floor. They fell on my jacket that fell on the floor earlier. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I dropped my glasses in the toilet. And I was like, <laughs> no. where are you doing this <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, I didn't tell you. So, um, so yes. Yeah, so they start the, uh, you know. So there's a lot of like Julia walking around and fiddling and pu- pushing and twiddling knobs, which of course is all meaningless. She doesn't, she doesn't know what's going on, but that's okay. So things go badly, and and Carolyn's pulse begins to to uh, slow down, slow down to the point of it's it's critical that they stop. And Adam angrily 
ends the experiment, and he takes a very weak Carolyn upstairs to Josette's room. It's apparently the only ho- room in the house with a bed in it. And, <laughs> and Carolyn has this weird kind of almost psychedelic deathbed monologue where they they show her face, but as mm-hmm. she's speaking, they like they keep superimposing like images, like images of like uh, like an anatomical cadaver, like from a yeah. from a, a medical book or whatever, over top of her face, or or old hands, just weird things like that, or just like being superimposed over her face as she's as she's talking very weakly to to Adam, and then she dies. Oh, and an enraged Adam tells Barnabas that he's going to go to to um, Colin Collinwood and kill everyone there. And Barnabas attempts to stop him, and Adam punches him in the gut. And Barnabas just <laughs> falls to the ground, and he's he's out. And then he awakens. He awakens, and of course, Adam's long gone. And he stumbles up the stairs from the basement, and he he basically, you know, kind of stumbles into Julia, who put helps him sit down in a chair. And he's, you know, I have to go. And she's like, you can't go. You're too weak. And he's like, I have to go stop Adam. He's going to kill everyone at Collinwood. And she's like, well, you, what kind of help are you going to be when you can barely stand up, you know? And, and so she goes upstairs to get him some medicine. And then she she looks in on Carolyn, and Carolyn's body is gone. Ooh. So they're like, ooh, what's going on here? And uh, Willie returns from the mausoleum, but he's no more help. You think, well, Willie's going to go and, uh, Willie's going to go and be like, well, I better go over to Collinwood and warn everyone. Uh, no. He just goes, but Maggie Evans is still still thinks she knows better. Like we don't have time for that right now. So Barnabas resolves that he's got to go to he has to go to Collinwood and inform them of Carolyn's death and most of all reveal all or most of his secrets, including his use of life force of his life mm-hmm. force to create Adam, that he allowed Adam to bully him into creating a a mate, uh, setting up a science lab in his basement. Using Carolyn to provide the life force, knowing the risk, uh, killing Carolyn, and also, Aww. also he's a vampire. <laughs> so, so tentatively, Barnabas knocks at the door of Collinwood, and then the door opens, and it's Carolyn who answers the door. And you're like, what? This is a one-day cliffhanger of Carolyn's death? Rip off! But that's how it goes. So we can only uh, we can only assume that she was revived by good old Nicholas Blair. I was sticking his nose into this thing. So then Adam returns to the old house and demands that Julia and Barnabas repeat the experiment. But this time he will provide the quote unquote uh, don- donor donor of the life force victim who will give the life force. So Blair brings Carolyn to his house, or as it's called in the show, the house by the sea. And he makes her sit in a magic circle in the base in the basement of his house for her protection. He sure. Because if you leave this circle, he says, you will be killed. So he's like, oh, okay, I'll sit here then. And he calls up the spirit of Daniel Roger, Danielle Roger, this woman who apparently was a mass murderer during the French Revolution. And all she wants to do is kill Carolyn. She's like, oh, have you brought me here to kill this person? He's like, no. <laughs> then Carolyn gets scared and almost like darts out of the magic circle. He's like, don't leave. Don't leave the magic circle. But Blair arranges for Roger to appear to him later in corporeal form. And she's like, why? And he's like, because I can give you life. And she's like, oh, I'm interested. But also, I'd like to kill this girl. And he's like, forget about the girl. I want you to appear here, corporeal form. We're not going to kill anyone yet, but be here at three. So we know something's up. Um... Then uh, 
we cut to Barnabas at the old house. He's sort of thinking. One thing they do in the show is they do monologues in the mind of the of the actors. Okay. So they'll actually like be like staring at, at something and they'll be they'll just play like their thoughts aloud. You know, so they'll have sort of like a little monologue, but the actor isn't saying speaking it aloud. They're just like they're just like you know, it's being played over a recorder or whatever. So they obviously pre-do these things. So he's sitting there and he's like thinking about, you know, where's Julia? Blah blah blah. And then there's a knock at the door and he goes and answers it and a woman enters and she announces that she is Leona Eltage. And then the show ends there. And you're like, who is Leona Eltage? Yeah. So the following day, and the following day, of course, this is the thing that they had to do, right? Because they don't, they don't replay by, on videotape what they did the day before. So they do a recap of the scene again the next day, which is always crazy to me. So often they'll redo it and it'll be better than the day before or it might be worse than the day before. Like you just don't oh, know. Oh, okay. That's going to go because they got practice. It feels like sometimes, but sometimes they kind of blow it. And they forget the lines or whatever because they're they maybe are they're maybe overconfident that they remember those lines, <laughs> and they are too busy trying to remember the ones for today. They had a teleprompter, and you can often see the actors kind of like peep at them. And they also do a lot of they also do a lot of uh, what you could call back acting, where they act with they act looking at the camera with the actress behind them that they're talking to, mm-hmm. which must be really easy for when you have to use a teleprompter because then you can just be like staring right at the teleprompter, reading it while you're doing your lines. Well, the person behind you is staring at your back, which is a weird way to talk to people. But and there's some scenes where like there's three actors, all of them facing the towards the camera rather than towards each other rather than talking. It's very odd. But anyway, so we're re, we're reintroduced to Leon, Leona Eltage, but this time she's followed in by Adam, and Adam informs Barnabas that she will be providing the life force, and Barnabas is like, well. Why, you know, like, does she understand the dangers? And, da, da, da. and she's kind of evasive. And and then uh, an impatient Adam takes her upstairs to Josette's room, where, as I said, apparently the only bed in the bed in the house. And then we have lying in bed, Leona mo- monologues. She thinks to herself, she she says, "Soon I will be able to kill them, kill them <laughs> all." That's all she thinks to herself. And you're like, "Oh, this lady is crazy." So then Julie arrives with Professor Stokes. And Professor Stokes is immediately interested in this woman who has come to take part in this experiment. He's like, well, where did she come from? They're like, I don't know. So he wants to go upstairs and ask some questions. And he goes up and asks, asks her, like, why are you, t- you know, taking part in this? And she says, she explains that she knows Nicholas Blair. Oh, no, sorry. She explains that she knew Dr. Lang. Sorry, not at Nicholas Blair. She knew Dr. Lang. So she knew about the experiment through Dr. Lang. And she mm-hmm. and she's dying of a, of a, of a disease. Like, she's... She's, you know, terminally ill, and she felt mm-hmm. like she wanted to contribute to the experiment in some way, and this is, you know, this is like her kind of dying wish to to be able to, prov- you know, provide the life force. And so Stokes is like, okay. So he's not super satisfied with his act, but he leaves. He says, I'm going to go and think about this and do some research, and he leaves Barnabas and Julia. So, so of course, Adam wrangles them all downstairs, and the experiment is started again. And so, uh, once again, much twiddling of nods and knobs and pulling wall switches up and down and little things going bloop, bloop and screens and sounds and stuff like that. And as always, the experiment goes awry and Leona Eltage dies on the table. Oh, no. And, uh, of course, Adam is outraged again because – and he rages against Julia and Barnabas and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. And then the wrapped body – of Eve moans and Adam says the classic line she is alive 
And at first, Eve he unwraps her because her face has been wrapped so far. Because of course they hadn't they hadn't uh, cast the actress to play the the character yet, so they had to keep the you know there's some a dummy wrapped in 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 uh, like a mummy until until they. Uh, cast someone and apparently the actress who was cast for this role her name is marie wallace when, when she went in for casting she was looking around the room and she realized that she wasn't as good looking as a lot of the actresses who weren't who were there she's like oh this is not so good and she looked around and they're all they're, they're blondes and brunettes and she wasn't a blonde and brunette she's like oh this is not good either but she kind of watched the edition she watched like when they were doing the edition she kind of watched the producers to see what they're kind of looking for and she realized oh what they want from these actresses is looks they want they want them to they want them to look they want facial expressions in these actresses and a lot of the actresses weren't giving that and so when she went in she just like really like you know put a real sultry look on her face and really like kind of played it up a lot and and did a lot of like you know angry looks and things like that and she got cast right away for the role and i think it's interesting because you know you could like make fun of the actress who are on the show but it is like a real tight wire, tight wire act that they're doing. You know, like they're, it's daily, film daily. They're getting their scripts in the morning. They're memorizing them. They're going in. Then there's rewrites, you know, as, as things, as, as you get closer to the, to the shooting. And then, you know, you're just doing it. You're just like there. And it's all being done like at one time. Like all the special effects are happening in front of you as you're acting. Everything that's, you know, whether it's a bat on a string on a stick or, they're like, you know, putting a, you know, sometimes you can't see them, but they're still happening at that moment, right? Like if mm-hmm. someone's like, if they're showing like in Nicholas Blair's magic mirror, a scene, there's the actors are acting that scene in a separate part of the, of the scene, uh, separate part of the stage, you know? And so they're filming that and then, and then blue screening it in or chroma keying it in. And then when, or, or when actors like, like, you know, like say Barnabas like leaves the old house and he has to go to Collinwood, you know? So Barnabas is on the call, uh, is on the old house part of the set and so then it's like i'm going to go to collinwood you're like okay so now he has to like put on a jacket grab his cane kind of hustle over to the other set where someone is already talking to his character even though he hasn't he's not there yet and so you often hear like the footsteps of the actor arriving you know onto the, <laughs> onto the set and then they'll the camera will cut to them there you know and they'll then they'll they'll start their lines in the scene like is this really interesting how it was done right like is this crazy is this so like you know, it's like, I don't know, this, it just feels like a constantly almost a disaster. And then it being in, in, in its nature, being a serialized story, you know, we've seen like throughout, throughout oh, these recaps, like often they'll like introduce an idea and then they'll never pursue it for whatever reason. Sometimes the actor leaves the show or whatever and they just, they can't pursue that or, or they get tired of it. Yeah. You know, or, or, yeah, yeah. or we realize the most important thing, which is that Barnabas was like what everyone was interested in. And, mm. and by nature, and by virtue of that, Grayson Hall as Julia was what everyone was interested in. You know, so that, that pair of, that, you know, that power couple who are like these liars, cheaters, you know, constantly like plotting and scheming, whether against each other and sometimes or with each other against other people. You know they're the, they're what drive the show, and so you'll you'll have like a weird subplot like Elizabeth Stoddard being like uh, death obsessed and thinking she's going to get buried alive. But how often have we talked about that? Very barely anything, right? Like they introduced it, then she gets sent to Wincliffe, so she's off the show for like a month, and then she comes back again. There's a little bit about it, and then she's gone again. And basically, she was there just to get uh, Julia to discover where the vampire was, where where. Uh, 
Ted Jennings was, you know, before Bar- when Barnum has killed him. Like, it's just, it's really interesting. Like, what was the motor of the show, right? Anyway, mm-hmm. anyway. So, um, so yeah. So, um, at first, Eve is, is kind of like fuzzy headed and very, you know, not really sure what's going on, very muddled. And, but then pretty soon she's talking in full sentences. And Julia is like, what's going on? Like, cause they're used to Adam, right? Adam was like, like, a, you know, couldn't talk, was mute, you know, basically mute, had to learn. He learned quickly, but he had to learn, like, from when he was created. Whereas Eve apparently is, like, full-blown a person. You know, she's like, you know, she's like, who are you? Why, why am I here? You know, what's, what's going on when, when Julia, when Barnabas says you should give her a sedative, and she goes to give her a sedative, she refuses. She goes, I, I don't want any, I don't, I don't like pain, and she doesn't want to have anything to do with the, the, the needle. And then she hops down off the table and, and faints. <laughs> so, uh, once again, taken to Josette's room. Then Professor Stokes arrives with news and a magnetic whiteboard and some letters. What does he have that for, you ask? Because he wants to demonstrate that Leona Eltage is an anagram for Danielle Roger. <laughs> and Barnabas is like, who? <laughs> He's like, you don't know who she is? She's a famous mass murderer from the French Revolution. Barnabas is like, well, it seems kind of, seems kind of far-fetched. And so Barnabas poo-poos this, but Stoke poo-poos his poo-pooing and says, no, I am right. And poo-poo was an anagram for it's right. hop-off. <laughs> hop, hop Yeah, you cannot, who poop? You cannot argue with anagrams, is basically what Professor That's right, you're professor the hop-off. Wait, you're the grandfather? I see. <laughs> so then over Adam's objections, Barnabas and, and Stokes go up to at Josette's room to question Eve. And uh, Eve a.k.a. Danielle Roger, has a hard time hiding her true personality from them. And, and once again, the actress does some great facial feature acting in this scene. Like, she's just <laughs> pulling out all the stops. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, so they ask her a bunch of questions. Stokes is not, once again, very unhappy with what they what they kind of figure out from, from you know, what she says. And then she's left by herself in her room. And she's laying on the bed, and then she is drawn to the window by a, by a noise. And then a, a mysterious wind suddenly kicks up and the curtains of the window start to blow, but the window's closed, but the curtains are blowing. And then the chandelier in the room starts to tinkle. And then she, a look of recognition comes onto her face and she, she speaks to an invisible entity and she says, oh, I remember you. Yes, I remember you. You have come after me? No, mon petite. I will not go back with you. I am alive. I am alive. And I will never go back. And that's where the episode ends. <laughs> so, yes, lots of crazy fun. You don't have to pay for invisible entities, by the way, which is great. That's another saving. You can have one extra character in the show, and it's just the just the, one of the, the uh, one of the the crew uh, shaking the set. Yeah, no, it's uh, a lot of fun. Like I say, it's just a, a hair, hair of your teeth. The one thing uh, interesting that I learned was that Grayson Hall, who plays Julia on the show, who who um, whose family was in kind of uh, dire straits economically. She she wasn't working very much, although she had a really good, really was really great in Night of the Iguana, the the, the John Huston film based on, <laughs> based on the uh, based on a play by Tennessee Williams, I believe, and with Richard Burton. And she's really great as this like really uptight church lady, as part, who's part of this tour that he's running in Mexico. And um, yeah, but she they weren't doing very well, and, and her husband 
whose name was Sam Hall, who had been a writer on a soap opera for a couple of years. They were actually like considering moving back to Ohio or wherever he came from to work in his dad's rubber glove factory. But then she got this little bit part on Dark Shadows, which, because of her personality, turned into this into this like major role in the show. And then Sam Hall, um, they, well, she had a party at her apartment with all the actors and p- people from the show to celebrate the end of this actor strike that happened. And that really screwed up the show too. Cause I was reading about that and it turned out they had to, they had to film all the episodes in, in different, in different order than they were. It wasn't, so it wasn't being filmed sequentially. It was being filmed in odd order. So everyone was having all this trouble understanding what their role was or what the hell they no. should react to things. Cause they were filming stuff that hadn't happened yet, you know? So anyway, but so she was having this party and Dan Curtis, the executive producer of the show, buttonholed Sam Hall and was talking to him and basically offered him a, a writing position on the show. And, and Hall said, Hall said, well, you know, it's one thing to offer that at a party. You know, if, if you're serious, call me tomorrow and, uh, you know, I'll think about it. And so the next day, Curtis phoned him up and said, I'm serious about this, about this, um, about this uh, part. And Hall said, okay, or I'm serious about the script, you know, the writing gig. And he's like, okay, sure, I'll do it. Since my wife's on the show, I might as well, you know, be hanging around there. And so, so he started working on the show as a writer. And I got to say, if you're watching the show and it, and it says Sam Hall at the end of it, it always explains why it was a really good episode. Because he's the guy who really can push the narrative forward with crazy mm-hmm. things. So, for instance, the appearance of Danielle Roger is the Sam Hall thing, you know? So it's kind of interesting. It's, uh, it's interesting like, you get the personality of the writers and stuff in the show. But anyway, that, everyone, is Dork Shadows for this week. And if you want to uh, follow along with Dave, uh, they're on 2B. They're on 2B, yeah. What, do you know what episode number you're on or where you're located in case people want to follow along? Do I know? I'll, you know what? Give me a second and I'll tell you. All right. I will give you a second. Uh, as I uh, then say, uh, after this, we're going to read your letters from last week. Oh, Dave just fell off his chair. Uh-huh. I'm, on episode, I'm on episode 602. 602. So if you want to follow along for next week, Start at six hundred and three. Just remember and, that. Uh, just remember they did two hundred episodes in ten months. So yeah. Not that much time has passed. How dare you judge? <laughs> not that much time has passed. In, and again, yeah. to 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 you, they're free, right? So you know, right. it's like a podcast. How dare? How dare? How dare you judge us? Um, <laughs> we ask a question every week, or multiple questions. Last week we asked, mm-hmm. uh, "What's something used in film?" Oh, this was a question from our friend Ed. Uh, what's something used in film or television? Uh, style or gimmick that always captures your attention. Also from our friend Brent, what is on your bucket list? A question from me, uh, who's a comedian you'd recommend. And yet another question, from what's me? your favorite R.E.M. song? Oh, that's also oh you. That was also you, yeah. So many, so many questions. <laughs> uh, and so, Ferg writes us, hey, Ferg. And he says, hey, guys, I am very excited for both of you to be in the same room again. We were talking about doing that. But please be safe and don't rush. Well, we've got six weeks until uh, our um, 500th episode. So, yeah, we'll, uh, hopefully the world will stay mm, and we'll all be mm, and back and, and it'll be good. Um, your show has helped keep me sane in the last year. So thank you for that. Thank you for listening. And as for the questions, I couldn't think of anything current for the film technique. So I'll go with the Dutch tilt I first saw in Batman 66. Uh, Dutch tilt actually sounds like it would be a good uh, Batman villain. Oh, Dutch tilt. <laughs> uh, I try not to have too much of my bucket list because I am lazy and I do not care for disappointment. But I would <laughs> love to go to Liverpool someday. Mm. Uh, learn uh, the baseline from the four tops Bernadette. Retire before wow. I die. 
and visit Frank Lloyd Wright's Falling Water. Yeah, that'd be great to see. All right. I have been to, let's get this right, uh, Taliesin West. Sure. Is that right? Whatever. And was so taken by it. For comedians, I adore Paul F. Tompkins, and I cannot get enough of him, especially when he did his improv podcast. Well, let me say, if you like Paul F. Tompkins and you can't get enough, let me recommend uh, uh, Paul F. Tompkins singing a song with the uh, Franklin Ayers, uh, a version of You Just Can't Get Enough. If you look it up on YouTube, Just Can't Get Enough, and, uh, and Paul F. Tompkins is the la-la-la part of it, and it is delightful. Delightful. Um, let's see. I will uh, always download whatever podcast he gets on to listen to. Me too. I don't care what the subject is. I also discovered Taylor uh, Tomlinson last year. I think I heard a clip of her on Netflix. It is a daily joke uh, podcast, which I suppose is the podcast version of the radio station Dave mentioned. <laughs> and we watched her uh, special based on that, which I highly recommend. Okay, Taylor Tomlinson. Okay, very good. Uh, she is really funny. Finally, R.E.M. are my number two artist after the Beatles, so I was delighted when Ian started using their song titles. I was waiting for Day Sleeper or I Don't Sleep. I dreamed uh, to be mentioned, but maybe those are too obscure. I could. Dave just start getting so upset I was scared. Um, my favorite of theirs is Gardening <laughs> at Night. I guess you garden at night because you don't sleep. Because, you, of course, you're a day sleeper. Um, I collected a bunch of REM bootlegs in the 90s and was able to make a 90-minute mixtape of just versions of that song. Thank you, guys. I appreciate what you do for all of us. So we appreciate you very much. Uh, our chum, Louise, writes, uh, something grabs my attention in film and TV is when different actors are cast to play the same character at different ages. I like seeing how close a visual match they are and how well the younger or older actor emulates the main actor's vocal and physical mannerisms. Queen's Gambit is a recent series where you uh, see two younger versions of the lead character. I always think, wow, those kids are lucky that they look like blank. Then I think, gee, I hope showbiz doesn't ruin those kids for life. <laughs> uh, it just reminds me, there's like a, an actor friend I know, I'm not going to mention his name, uh, but he looked a bit like Tom Hanks and his mom was always, you should like send your picture to Tom Hanks. Tell him you look like him, and then you can get in show business. That's how it works. And, you know, it sounds like that's nuts, which is true. But that was how Vicki Lawrence uh, got hired on the Carol Burnett show because she looked so much like Carol Burnett. She won a Carol Burnett uh, look-alike contest. Huh. So, uh, I'm enjoying the performances. I don't, I don't of, think they look that alike, but that's interesting. That mm, I'm enjoying the performances of the three actors who played Dwayne The Rock Johnson on Young Rock. The series jumps around in time between Dwayne at age 10, 15, and as a young adult. The real Dwayne appears as himself in the framing device, where he's running for president in the near future. Uh, the interviewer is a former actor, uh, Randall Park, playing a funny, lower self-esteem version of himself. Oh, cool. Uh, I'm also a sucker for a body switch, or possession, uh, especially when an adult actor has to act as if their body is inhabited by a kid, or a child actor has to play an older character's soul, which is more of a challenge. The best example of the latter is Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things in Vancouver's shot paranormal miniseries called Intruders from 2014. She played a nine-year-old girl whose body is hijacked by the spirit of an old male serial killer. The way she flipped between innocent girl and jaded murderer was chilling and impressive. Although it's not the most upbeat, upbeat, <laughs> the most upbeat REM song, 
My favorite is Everybody Hurts. It has a simple universal message in Michael Stipe's voice, has that cry in it that suits the broken, uh, bro that suits the song perfectly. I love uh, the ar arpeggios, arpeggios uh, that run through the song. Although they are broken chords, uh, they keep on going, and I think there is some symbolism in that. Edward Dragansi decides to respond to Louise. Why don't I tell you what he had to say? As Rackers <laughs> playing the same role at different ages, have you watched Dark on Netflix, Louise? You get an entire cast at different ages, both old, young, and middle-aged, bouncing back and forth over time while intersecting one another throughout time. Uh, whoever did the casting on the show did an excellent job, even uh, though the third season turned my brain into gravy. <laughs> uh, my votes for best casting of an elderly actor, one who steps in to play a main character instead of burying the actor in aged uh, makeup, are the actress Lynn Cartwright, who plays an older version of uh, Gina Davis in A League of Their Own, we see the elder Dottie and her family present uh, at times at the baseball museum, featuring the woman who played baseball during the war. The actor Harrison Young as James Ryan, who steps in to play the older version of Matt Damon. He and his family visit Captain Miller's Tom Hanks grave at the end of Saving Private Ryan. Both these actors weren't huge stars, but it's uh, worth noting their successful roles in the older versions of main characters. Yeah, Louise, I love it when that works out well. Next time, we'll discuss Ewan McGregor as a young Obi-Wan Kenobi. Damn, it just <laughs> occurred to me that both these films I mentioned have older versions of actors uh, visiting a memorial of a Tom Hanks character in each film. And Louise, repl Louise replies, Edward, I'll check out the dark, but hopefully it won't be too dark. I watched Midsummer last month, and despite the bright summer light that bathes most of the film, it was way too dark and disturbing. Note to Ian, do not watch Midsummer. That's funny. I didn't find it that disturbing. That's interesting. I've watched, uh, I've watched bits. Uh, speaking of... Uh, I, thought uh, younger, I thought Hereditary was much more uh, nerve-wracking. Oh, dear Lord. Um, <laughs> uh, younger actors playing older actors. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm blanking on her name, and I feel really bad uh, because she so was... Should. She, uh, I, I should. She's uh, Jessica just passed away, uh, was the one of the leads in Arrested Development. She's also in Archer. Jessica, can you help me, Dave? No. Can you help me in this? Jessica. Damn it. No. Jessica, she was uh, the villain in Doctor Strange. She's also she was, she's also the villain in uh, Play Mystery for me. The uh, yes, she's the many many things. Film. And Jessica Walter. There you go. All right, uh, but in Arrested Development, when they did the uh, the latest version, uh, Kristen Wiig played her as a younger woman and uh, just nailed her. Oh, so uh, so dead on. Hmm. And Jeffrey Tambor was played by Seth Rogen, not as uh, nailable. But <laughs> Kristen Wiig, holy cow, was uh, was great. <laughs> Edward uh, Dragan, good on Seth Rogen for you know, it's fine. Uh, can I also uh, just throw in my also my uh, praise for Dark, which is by the way a German uh, <clears throat> German Netflix series, three seasons, okay. three seasons, all absolutely brilliant. The third season will. I guarantee it melts your mind, though, because it is it is a time traveling show with with actors playing themselves, not themselves, but actors playing you know the characters at different ages in different timelines, mm -hmm. and then it, the third season introduces a whole other twist to the whole thing, and it and I just was like, what is happening? But it's so good. It is such a such a great show. Okay, is it uh, subtitled? You can. I mean. You know, on Netflix, you have an option. You can have it subtitled or you can have it dubbed. But I am more of a subtitle guy myself. I understand, but sometimes there's things we have to do at the same time. Okay, so that's good to know. <laughs> uh, 
Edward Dragansky, Dra Edward Dragansky returns in another letter. Uh, hey guys, hope you're still hanging in there after all this time being apart, uh, but I'm sure we're close to being somewhat normal again. I went back into the office, but only for three days a week, uh, Mondays and Fridays, still being from home. Still wearing masks when meeting with coworkers and in the kitchen. I figure we've come this far, better safe than sorry. Uh, once we're all fully vaccinated, this may be behind us. For Brent's question, I think uh, my more realistic bucket list would be something I could do easier from where I live, like visiting NASA down in Houston. Oh, that'd be good. Uh, it's not that far, and I've always wanted to see it. So that fits in a bigger bucket list for me. If I make the bucket smaller and harder to aim for, uh, that would be like seeing the Smithsonian in Washington someday. And we all know uh, that place takes more than a day to see. Hmm. I should tell my wife that because she did go to see it and she saw it in a day. Uh, but anyway, she didn't see it all. Uh, I've also had friends who visited Skywalker Ranch, very high on my list. If that were my bucket, it, it uh, had better be full of sponges and listening to you guys. Talk about traveling abroad inspires me to see other countries. So I'd like to travel more if I had the chance. Susan backpacked all over Europe while in college and has wanted to take me uh, there ever since we met. I say, go for it. I do uh, too. But heads up, they speak other languages there. And even if they speak English, oh, how they speak it. It's crazy. <laughs> um, and it's not subtitled or dubbed. Mm -hmm. I know I've mentioned him before as a stand-up comic, and he still makes me laugh more than any other act. I don't know if it's his timing or the way he makes neurotic behavior funny, but Gary Shandling has always been my favorite. Mm. Looking back, I can remember uh, taping him when he was on Letterman or The Tonight Show. I watched all his shows, and now I can just sit and watch him on YouTube for hours. I think Shandling is funny because I don't know exactly what makes him funny. I am still having fun figuring him out. Yeah, I think he was always figuring himself out as well. So, yeah, he really couldn't get a grip on him, and then he'd turn on you, and he'd be like, oh, I get it. No, you don't. Oh, jeez. What's coming? Oh, boy. And then he started boxing. Holy cow. Um, I'm sorry to say that I was never an R.E.M. fan. I may be uh, listening to them and not even know it. The only song I really know uh, by R.E.M. is It's the End of the World, which was played loud and early every morning by someone in my dorm back in 1987. Uh, and, of course, you must have killed them. So, you know, that's fair. Justifiable homicide. Uh, I, really, I didn't really uh, go down the music path at the time. I was more into Rolling Stones, Pink Floyd, and George Harrison at the time. Thanks for using my question. I answered it last week, so that spares me from having to write and Ian from having to read it. Oh, what a relief. <laughs> I will take that time to take a drink of liquid. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> That's good liquid. Uh, good. It makes me not die. Okay. Uh, by the way, Dave. Yeah. Here's the thing. I've been uh, really dehydrated at night lately. Me too. And, uh, me too. Yeah. Well, here was my mistake. Okay. Here's my mistake of being dumb. Uh, I was taking some vitamin D uh, okay. because it's apparently uh, good to prevent COVID. And so I was taking some D3 and I was taking a little bit of a high dose, not a crazy high dose, but you know, about the dose that you take. That's like, that's the dose you should take and that's enough. But then I was also taking an omega-3 just because it's like, you know, it's something the doctor once told me, you know, it doesn't hurt and it's good for your heart and, you know, why not? But what I what what I did was I bought some that had also D3 in it. And it was like, oh, and it had big doses of D3. So I was taking a lot of D3. One of the side effects of D3, dehydration and uh, peeing more than you should. So uh, that made for some, you know, uh, multiple trips during the night. And I was like, what's this about? And I was like, well, 
It's what it always is. You take something to be healthy and fucks you. So that was my adventures in the land of D3. Hmm. That's uh, Mighty Ducks, is it? Yeah, uh, it was also you roll a D3 and you're screwed. <laughs> Listen, we were talking about Crystal. Why don't we hear what she has hey, to say? Hey, can I just interrupt you? Yes, you can. Please For do. one second, because I want to interrupt you with Crystal. Because Crystal wrote to episode 492. Oh, for crying out loud. And, but she wrote in after we had recorded the show. So just so people know that for most weeks, Ian and I record on Thursday evening. Most Pacific weeks. Standard Time. Like for this, this night, we're actually recording on a Friday night. It's crazy. Crazy. And it's throwing us off a little bit. That's why we're not funny at all this week. T-G-I-F. T-F-I-G. And so. Hey, goofy, it's Friday. <laughs> and so, uh, so I just want to, I just want people to know that. So sometimes. Just so you know, that's why, Crystal, your your comment last week didn't end up last week's show, because it arrived after we had recorded the show. So, I'm going to tell you right now that Crystal said, Hi, David and Ian and everyone. I've never been to a hypnotist show. I have wondered about hypnotherapists who do past life regression sessions. If I weren't so distrustful of hypnotism, I'd be interested to, quote-unquote, discover what fantastic tales my subconscious could create from a lifelong interest in history. My little boy has the greatest smile in the world. His smile is infectious. It melts strangers' hearts and brings smiles to faces of everyone he meets. One smile, and possibly a giggle or two from him, can completely change a bad day to a great day. He even received a class award this year for Best Smile. Oh... His condition prevents him from being athletic, excelling academically, or performing on any level comparable to his peers, so the fact that his teacher thought to include and not exclude him from awards day meant the world to him, and of course my husband and I. When he smiles, his whole face just lights up. Everywhere we go, his smile brings joy to others, especially the elderly. Actually, I am smiling right now as I type, and think about his sweet little face and smile. Have a great week, which we did. And thank you very much, Crystal, for writing about oh, that's very, very That's very, very nice. Yes. Yeah, the only, the only problem with that is the kid in the class that got the worst smile trophy. <laughs> and it's just like, oh. I just lost some teeth. Come on. It's like, mm-hmm, yeah, whatever. Take it outside. Oh, sad. But yeah, the other one was a touching story. Um, thank, thank you for that. And 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 listen, I, I want to hear more about what Crystal has to say, and uh, so I will right now. Hi, Dave, Ian, and everyone. Really, everyone? Even Tony? Okay, it's up to you. Uh, your mention of the man with the mustache, right? Uh, made me think of Sam Elliott, uh, followed by Tom Selleck. Uh, my son thought it was funny that mom was talking to the car stereo saying, is it Sam Elliott? It has to be Sam Elliott. <laughs> uh, response, it was not Sam Elliott. <laughs> um, question of the week from Ed. I always sit up in my seat uh, when films uh, switch to split screen. For oh, I love split, split screen. Yeah, it makes me think that something important is happening. It's important to the plot, so I need to pay attention. <clears throat> I love it in Brian De Palma films. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so question from Brent. Uh, I wanted to visit Liverpool. Boy, Liverpool's popular today. Uh, England, ever since I was a teenager. I, I rather look forward to uh, walking around where the Beatles and Tom Baker grew up. And I am also slightly anxious that I might get there and be disappointed too. Will the reality live up to the fangirl anticipation? 
at this point, you could probably just have a drinking game for the number of times I've mentioned going to England. <laughs> so I'll just hush. Don't you hush. Don't you hush. Uh, let me tell you. Keep your uh, dreams alive. That, that uh, we did a visit. Oh, where did we visit? Well, it, was, it might have been actually uh, just London, maybe. But we were in, uh, uh, we, were, we went to an opening of a Doctor Who museum. And uh, Tom Baker showed up. And uh, made the most sweetest rambling speech you've ever heard. <laughs> Holy cow. Just about like he was taking uh, the tube there. And there was a pretty girl there. And he was just looking at her. And wanted to just uh, it was just really, really sweet and rambly and beautiful. And it was so Tom Bakery great. And he had to do like one thing, which was like hit a button uh, that, was, uh, that would stop a uh, Cyberman that was coming down an escalator. But here's the thing. Uh, he was supposed to give the Cyberman a Q word. And he did, but he didn't realize he gave him the Q word because he said the Q word in a different context. So Cyberman starts coming down the escalator. And, <laughs> and, and uh, okay, so Cyberman comes down the escalator. Now he's at the bottom of the escalator, Tom Baker. And uh, we all see the Cyberman coming down. But Tom Baker, we figure, oh, we set him up and he's going to like take him down now. Well, he doesn't. He gets into another story. You know, that reminds me of something when I was a child. I was like, oh, geez. Well, the Cyberman's. <laughs> still coming down and the cyberman realizes i'm here too early but he's on a downward escalator so can't stop so he starts backing up a bit on the escalator to try to buy tom baker some more time and then finally tom baker's like what oh oh this gentleman yes indeed okay um very well off with you then and then hits the button and the cyberman oh no that's funny and then immediately tom baker without missing a step uh, goes like, ah, back to the story. Uh, so as a boy, <laughs> like, that's right. Just <laughs> took the Cyberman out. And there you go. Um, sub, sub question. Well, who is a comedian you would recommend? In an ideal world, I would be able to name some new, fantastic, up-and-coming comedian to recommend that everyone would search out and say, great recommendation. Sadly, all the names are coming to mind are huge celebrities already. That's okay. And it's difficult to recommend someone that uh, everyone already knows. I am uh, not much for shock or curse humor that is popular in music, movies right now. Uh, Melissa McCarthy can be super hilarious, but when she goes rude and foul mouth, just isn't funny to me. I love to just laugh and laugh and horse laugh, and I watch <laughs> comedies, uh, but often it seems you have to sit through a lot of not funny stuff to actually get to the funny bits. Well, Dave sometimes has to watch comedies with actual horses, so you know that's what he has to do. You <laughs> only get horse laughs. And that gives Lucille, all horse laughs. Lucille Ball always makes me laugh. Her humor transcends time. Uh, my wife just watched for the first time uh, the long, long trailer. Oh, yeah. And, and she too. said, uh, yeah, it was funny. But then, like, it's really dangerous at the end. And it was putting me off because I was really worried for them. I'm like, oh, okay. But uh, <laughs> she enjoyed it. And sub, 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 question. Confession time, y'all. I've never owned an REM album. I remember when Losing My Religion was a huge hit and received a lot of radio and MTV play. I enjoyed the mandolin on the song, but for some reason, I didn't run out and buy the album. The only other two R.E.M. songs I can recall to memory are It's the End of the World, again mentioned earlier today, and Everybody Hurts, and again mentioned. Uh, they were good songs. I think I might venture over to YouTube after sending this message and listen to some of their other songs. Have a great week, YouTube Crystal. Thank you for uh, both of your letters. Both very, very appreciated. And uh, love to your family. Um, Chris Roberts writes... Oh, can I just say uh, can I just say one thing before you just mentioned the fact that everyone keeps mentioning Liverpool? I just want to point out that completely Beatles is the gateway drug to Sneaky Dragon. That's what you're. Not very good. Sometimes people are going down to Liverpool to do nothing. That's what I've heard. Before you go to Chris, can I can I go to someone else? 
You can. Well, I feel crisscrossed. (laughs) We had a comment on Sneaky Dragon episode 491. Oh my gosh, we are just going backwards in time. And this this is from Ken. Okay. Ken Painter, and he says, hi guys. Again. Haven't listened in a long time, but I'm back. When Yay! I, when I switched jobs a while ago, I ended up getting a car, and most of my podcast time was spent on my bus commute. But since November or so, I've been working from home a lot, and I found as a result, I tend to uh, sit on the couch all day and all night. To try and shift this, I've put a step counter on my phone and committed to 10,000 steps a day for the month of May. So I've been listening to you guys on my walks. I'm really happy to be listening to you again. Forgot how much it meant to me. I tend to listen over a few days, so I never seem to finish in time to answer the questions in the correct week. But I wanted to answer this one. Uh, Sorry, I wanted to answer this one. Am I doing what I originally planned? So growing up, my father was a police officer. I always planned on following his footsteps. So when I was 19, my plan was to join the army, get in the military police and get some experience, then become a regular police officer the path my father took to get there. So I enrolled in the army. On my paperwork for placement, I picked one, MP, two, ambulance driver, three, infantry. I went to the army base to do their extensive testing to see where I would best be placed. It took hours and was very thorough. A week or so after the testing, they got back to me and said that I was accepted as a finance clerk. Well, I was pretty disappointed, but agreed to go. About a week before I was supposed to leave, I got cold feet and backed out. I bounced around doing different jobs, going to school, trying to train to do different things. Well, now I'm a CPA. Have been for years, and I've wound up in a pretty good job. So maybe I didn't like it, but it looks like the Army's testing of me was spot on. Thank you, Ken, for writing. That's great. Oh, that's really interesting. And uh, don't be shy about answering questions that have have, uh, come and gone, because uh, (laughs) they're always fresh. Yeah, you can comment on any episode uh, in the past that you'd like. And uh, yeah, it's fine by us. Uh, listen to back when I had a normal voice and didn't have this echoey nonsense. Uh, yeah, before oh, Dave's all soothing. Anyway, all right. Uh, so, so back to Chris. Chris Roberts says, boy, that's a lot of questions this week. Better take a sip of water, Ian. I, I just did. Um, something that will grab my attention in a movie is a sequence without dialogue. I'm a big fan of early 20th century cinema, especially the great silent comedian. And it's always interesting to see how many of the techniques of the early film pioneers can still engage a mainstream audience today. A couple that come to mind are the first half hour or so of WALL-E, which is pretty much a silent movie uh, in and of itself, and the brilliant sequence in Hudsucker Proxy, where a young boy starts the hula hoop craze. Come to think of it, the Danny Boy sequence that I'd mentioned in Miller's Crossing is also dialogue-free, as I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also uh, admire writers who can deliver exposition through dialogue so skillfully that you hardly notice. Uh, going back to the Coens, there's a great exchange in Fargo where Jerry says to his father-in-law, this could be a real sweet deal for Gene, Scotty, and me. The older man's reply is something like, Gene and Scotty never have to worry. Just seven words, but they tell the audience everything we need to know about these characters' history and their present relationship. I have never given much uh, thought to a bucket list. I, However, I do have a lot of songs I've written over the past few years that I've been meaning to record properly and release somehow. Uh, and that's a project I'm finally knuckling down to this year. Good, uh, good. Get to it. Uh, favorite uh, comedian uh, uh, could be uh, any of many, but I'll pick Stuart Lee. Good call. Yeah, he's good. As well as being hilarious and highly individual, 
he was kind of Penn and Teller's gift of showing you how the machinery behind the act works in a way that adds an extra dimension. Plus, the Daily Mail hates him, which puts him squarely on the side of the good guys. I also love the late and much-missed Jeremy Hardy. And Ross Noble has brought me to tears more often than any man has the right to. <laughs> that actually sounds like an R.E.M. song. Oh, so you R.E.M. Uh, they were a group I always liked, but never truly loved. However, things changed when I finally saw them in concert. It was a fairly large gig at Sterling Castle, uh, not long after Bill Barry had left the band. I was pretty excited to see them. I took my son Hamish, who was then 12. It was just his second gig. <laughs> Musically, the band, augmented by three additional players, were exceptional, running through a longish set that featured note-perfect renditions of most of the best-known songs, and there was a problem. I don't want tastefully <laughs> faithful copies of the recordings, damn it. I have those at home. Live music should be well-rehearsed, sure, but also thrilling, spontaneous, edgy, daring, and sometimes chaotic. I'm guessing that's uh, what R.E.M. would have been like in their early days, but by the time I saw them, the act had gotten polished to the kind of a corporate sheen that was, well, kind of boring. On the plus side, uh, the support act was Teenage Fan Club, the Mighty Fannies. Uh, so that saved the day for me. <laughs> I should also report that Hamish had a great time. And as we were leaving, I saw, I heard plenty of people saying it had been a fantastic gig. So what do I know? I'll opt for Night Swimming as favorite song and Monster as the best album. Yeah, I saw R.E.M. Uh, during their second album, uh, Re uh, Reckoning, sorry, um... They played at a smallish club here in Vancouver at the Commodore. So that seems to me the perfect time and place to see a band like this. And, and Chris's comments about their performance reminds me of, I went to see, um, it's a double bill of Bob Dylan and Paul Simon. And they played here mm. in town at the, at the uh, local hockey arena for the professional hockey team. And so I went down because I, I'm a Bob Dylan fan. And so I'd gone and seen Bob Dylan play the year before with Van Morrison and jo Joni Mitchell. And he, and so that was pretty interesting. And so I, you know, I want to see Bob Dylan again, and and I like Paul Simon a lot too. So I, so I went, and Bob Dylan's set was just absolute madness. There were these girls at the front of the like in the front row, who were just I guess just were just loved him, and they were just standing up and and shaking their par shaking their parts at him, and and just so excited. And so he was like really hamming it up for them, doing all these like weird like gyrations of his body and stuff like that while he was playing songs and and he was really getting into it too there's parts where you could see the band were like oh well this is where we start winding the song up but no bob was just keep on going because he was showing up for these girls so they're like oh okay well we'll just keep on playing i guess and this one it was just a great show it was just fantastic and then and then paul simon came out and you could literally hear the triangle being played in a live environment on stage during bridge over troubled water and i was just thinking to myself you shouldn't be able to hear a triangle being played at a live show. That doesn't seem right to me. Somehow that that's losing, you know, you're just losing something by having that kind of like authenticity to your music. And it just, it was, it, actually I fell asleep during the Paul Simon part, portion mm. of it. I left early. I left before he finished his set. I just thought, I'm not enjoying this and uh, I should leave early and, and beat the rush. So I did. Yeah, I just, I know like if it's played by a, a group of, you know, uber professionals who can just like, do anything at all and just reproduce it so exactly that it sounds like it's from the record it's just not that exciting just to watch you know like you want that sense of you know of experimentation or like that bob dylan brings to it like you don't know you don't know what song he's playing until he starts singing the lyrics and you go oh it's just tangled up in blue oh okay oh that's a different version you know but 
that's kind of exciting too. Like you might not like it, but it's different. He's trying something. It's not just like the same old, same old. I, you know, I have the record at home. If I just want to hear the the same version again, I could just play it at home. It's much more fun when the band is like letting the moment carry them. You know. Anyway, enough of me. My favorite, no, that's, that's my favorite fair. REM song is uh, Seven Chinese Brothers. By the way. Well, there we go. Uh, well, listen, uh, I'm going to tell you what your wife's favorite REM song is. Uh, oh. Lisa just wrote us, and uh, she says, REM song, Rockville. Hmm. There we go. Well, it's from the same album as Seven Chinese Brothers. All right, then you should stay married. I think you're a good uh, match. <laughs> uh, bucket list. Well, it seems I have uh, actually ticked a few things off the old bucket list of late. Uh, snowshoeing, snowboarding, and surviving a pandemic. Knock on wood. And just, uh, that's where you have knocking on wood as a book <laughs> And just uh, pre-pandemic, I also went to Asia. And while I was there in Hong Kong, we had a political uprising. So there are two more off the list. <laughs> you wanted a political uprising? Okay, fair enough. Uh, still waiting for it. A trip to New Zealand, home of my father's family. Also on the bucket list is a road trip across the U.S. of A., uh, which we've managed seven years well, ago. So we almost had, managed seven years almost ago. Almost managed. Sorry about that. Seven years ago but had to cancel uh, when Dave's job dissolved suddenly. Uh, I'd uh, love to see uh, Frank Lloyd Wright's Falling Water and the lesser known, uh, but very nearby, uh, Kentucky Knob or Kentucky Knob. I'd love to uh, go Christmas shopping in London and then spend Christmas with my UK relatives. I I got to do Christmas in London and that was fun. Uh, I'd love to spend New Year's Eve in New York City. Also on the bucket list is to go to that hotel in Africa where the giraffes stick their heads in through the windows while you're eating breakfast. Uh, but that might be uh, one that goes unrealized. Uh, there are some giraffes in your area that you could probably rent. Just yes, down at the zoo. We, just go, we should just go have a picnic at the zoo in the, the giraffe enclosure. Yeah, that's, that's close enough. Uh, comedians. Uh, maybe not all these people are everyone's cup of tea these day, uh, days. But George Carlin, especially fondue sets uh, for Nambia. Uh, Woody Allen, especially the moose sketch. Stephen Wright, Mitch Hedberg, Bob Newhart, Fly of the Concords, and Monty Python, if they count. They do! <laughs> they do indeed count. You know, I was talking about uh, I was talking about that team, or sorry, the Funny 1040, that AM radio station that has turned you to... You were, that's true, you did do that. Mitch Hedberg plays really well on that station. Holy sure, cow. Sure, sure. Holy cow, does he work. I haven't heard Stephen Wright, but I imagine he would work as well, but yeah, Mitch Hedberg's act is perfect for that kind of capsule uh, kind, of, kind of format. Yeah, really good. I agree. <laughs> uh, we need to come up with questions for next week. And this is the time where we just go, unless you've got a question. Uh, let, me, let me throw this out there. Okay, I was, my, my mind was uh, pretty simple. I'll, I'll do the sub-sub question then. Okay, well, uh, my question uh, is going to be, uh, since you know we went through about a year of uh, whatever the equivalent of the lockdown is, quite often uh, you know you don't go out for a meal, but you might order in a meal. What is your order in a meal of choice? If you're uh, if you're getting some take takeout and bringing it home, or you're having something delivered, what is your hey? We're going to have a nice treat. Uh, let's get this delivered tonight. Hmm. And uh, what did you get? What would you get delivered? So uh, that is my question. I never, I never you. get food delivered. Okay, well, you don't have to answer it. It, it makes me too nervous. Okay, because they'll recognize you from the show. I don't know. No, I just, I, I can't take it. It makes me just, makes me too anxious. So I just, I'd rather go, do, I'd rather go pick it up. Okay, you know they can just, they don't, you don't have to interact with them at all. Right? I know that's how it is now, but I just can't do it just from habit now. 
Okay. Yeah, just for I just couldn't have people come to my door. It was too much for me. I feel I feel much more nervous going and picking it up. Much, 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 much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, doesn't bother me. So I guess that's yeah, fine. completely. Yeah. I guess also they used to give you ten percent off. All right, no, that's good. <laughs> that's, that's all the reason I need saving money. Sure, I'm sure. there. Yeah. So there. What's uh, what's your uh, takeout or, uh, or <laughs> my, my takeout question is. No, my question was going to be, uh, tell us who your favorite Muppet is. Ah, that was good. That was almost there. It was almost there. Okay, that's fine. So, uh, your favorite Muppet. Now, listen, we'll take back from the Sam and me days. Yeah. We'll take a long time. Yeah, yeah we we'll don't care. We'll take Muppets shooting each other in the face over coffee. <laughs> that's good stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. Choy Dragon, uh, we'll take it. We'll take a, again, we'll take a dragon that sets the set on fire. Yes. Yeah. Hey, listen, if you haven't seen him, uh, look up the LaChoy Dragon commercials. Those are great. LaChoy Dragon, is there's two of them. Uh, not just the LaChoy Dragon commercials, but there's also some behind-the-scenes footage of them Ooh. trying to, like, figure out how to make it work. And, that like, he's literally setting the set on fire, and they're having to, like, <laughs> use extinguishers to put it out. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's great to see. Oh, fantastic. And I'd also recommend, uh, as we mentioned before, uh, The Cube, not to be confused with Cube, which is a Canadian uh, thriller, horror, a sci-fi film, which oh. is also worth seeing, frankly. Are we talking about Gleaming the Cube? We are We are not. We've already oh. recommended Gleaming the Cube. I'm sure everyone watched it. Um, so, <laughs> no. It's called The Cube. And uh, just uh, The Cube, Jim Henson. Look it up. I think it's on YouTube. It's well worth a watch. It used to be. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know uh, if it still is. Want... I just mean I watched it a while ago. And if you do want to write us, uh, well, as I mentioned before, SneakyDragon.com is our website, and that is where you can uh, just post something underneath any episode. We got a message board there. That's an easy way to go about doing it. And those are the ones I usually read. Dave usually reads the ones that are oh, on my, Facebook. My goodness, oh. I forgot there's an email. But you go on, you go on. Okay, well, let me just say, Dave uh, reads the ones that are on Facebook. He also reads that I want, so you just go to Facebook and just enter Sneaky Dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can email us at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. I'm going to just tell you the other way, real fast. Uh, Twitter, we are sneaky underscore dragon and on Tumblr, sneakydragon.tumblr.com. But let's get back to emails and the final email, Dave. All right, so this is from Brent Tannehill. Hey, Brent. Who uh, provided one of our questions last week? He says, the comedian that I always recommend to anyone is Dimitri Martin. Sure. I love his humor and his unusual way of thinking. Yeah, he's very good. And I think Canadian? Or is that oh, not right? He's not? No, okay, he's not. Okay. So. I don't think, I think I'm wrong, actually. You're right. I'm wrong. Yeah, and he also is a good artist and often incorporates his art into, I think, no, he is an American comedian. Art into his stand-up. I apologize. Please do. I apologize. He also looks like a very young man and he is almost 50. Is that, right? that is how we are now. <laughs> All right. And then uh, Brent goes on to say, bucket list. Mm. Like I said in last week's show, being hypnotized is on my list. Also, I want to see, but not experience, projectile vomiting. When I was young, my friend told me about his brother who did this. It has always fascinated me, and it's probably not as dramatic as I imagine it to be. Last, and most importantly especially for people who grew up watching Lassie and Gilligan's Island, I want to be stuck in quicksand. When I was a kid, quicksand was a big part of our culture. In any Tarzan movie or adventure show, it was ubiquitous. I remember trying to make a quicksand pit in my backyard with my brother. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, sorry. 
in my backyard with my friend whose brother projectiled his vomit. It was a big <gasps> disappointment. Something that was in my second. Sorry, I'm really blowing this. Email. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Brent. I'm really blowing this thing here. Something that was on my bucket list until last month was to drink polke, a drink made from fermented sap of the maguey plant. I actually stumbled upon a polqueria, polqueria? How do you say that? A polqueria in Mexico. Oh, I'm so happy you've got these ones. Well, you know what? Oh, it, boy. It, you know, it's, it's Spanish, so it should have an accent on the I to indicate that's where the, where the accent sure. is. Because ria, like a, you know, when you have a, like a whatever, ria, anyway, a polqueria in Mexico and and got to try it. The reason it was on my list was because I had seen a movie when I was a kid where some guy drank pulque that had flies in it, and people dared him to drink it. Thankfully, mine came without flies. <laughs> Thank you, Brent. And did, Ian, you go on with a little you, more talking. Did they ask you, by the way, did you want flies for that? Because that's how you... Okay, right. <laughs> you go on with your talking, and I'm going to look up something on Facebook while you blab. All right, well, that's basically the end of my blab. Oh, is that the end of your blabbing? Well, what am I supposed to do? Uh, well, what do you have to look up on Facebook? It's just a little comment from someone on Sneaky Drive. All right, very good. Well, Dave's going to do that. So let me let me throw one other plug thing at you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my wife, Pia Guerra, and I, uh, you might go, Pia Guerra, wait, the co-creator of Why the Last Man? Yeah, that's her. Yeah, what, what of it? Uh, wait, doesn't she have a TV show coming on uh, FX, uh, Hulu, uh, this, uh, this later on? Yeah, it's true. They're making it right now. It looks really good. Cool. Uh, that's true. Uh, does she ever work with you, Ian, uh, your, her husband? Yeah, I told you already about Mannequin on the Moon. Yeah, but I mean like anything else. Yeah, okay, back off. If you go to our website, hellkitty.com, uh, slash super, you will see a pay-whatever-you-want uh, comic that we put up uh, about a hospital for the super-powered. Uh, and it's called Super, like S-U-P, and then E-R, uh-huh, like an E-R. Uh, and uh, we did that with uh, art from our friend Moritat, uh, who is known for uh, Hellblazer and Jonah Hex, and he's just amazing. Yeah, and, he's very uh, good. Yeah, it's a dandy swell fella. So anyway, hellkitty.com slash uh, super, uh, and you will uh, find a pay-what-you-want uh, comic book done by myself, Pia Guerra, and Moritat. So, uh, so there. And uh, did you find what you were looking for? Dave? Yeah, I did, actually. This is a... This is a, a bit of a follow-up comment to Gina's story about about my imitating or not imitating impersonating a Catholic youth worker delivering uh, invitations mm. to parents, and of course one of the one of the uh, I guess Gina had written to you and she threw in a few memories that I did not remember, but it was one that I I went to more Pain, than one painful. Painful blocked memories. Yes, I went to more than one family to deliver this this uh, invitation. So, right. because it would have been suspicious to to our to Denise's parents if if uh, it had only if only they had received the invitation. So we made sure that other families got it. So then it seemed more. It was a very elaborate stunt to get a party going at someone's house. But anyway, <laughs> we had time. There were no uh, internet then. And I guess Gina, I guess, or I guess during the the podcast, I, I said that I didn't think I was invited to it. I think I was just, but you know, you know, I was telling Eve this story, and she's like, "Dad, you were totally invited to it. Just you're totally invited. It's just you. You didn't realize yeah. it because you're you're, yeah. you're you're you." And like, okay. And so Gina wrote and said, "Oh my God, Dave, you were totally invited to the party. If there had been a party." Darn, I feel so guilty. Don't feel guilty, Gina. It's entirely on me because I am unable to read social cues. So, uh, by not understand, it doesn't mean I'm inappropriate. It means that uh, I have a 
peculiar view of myself that it, that no one would want to know me. So I always assume that that's what people are going to in their conversations with me is sort of like, go away, Dave. So that's, you know, it's my own problem. So it's not your problem. That's on me and my weird view, worldview that I have somehow developed through a careful upbringing of neglect. <laughs> so, so there you go. So, um, so thank you, though, for writing and, and saying that. It does mean a lot to me. So there we go. And there we go. That brings us to the end of an episode. <gasps> we're, and, uh, we're finished? Yeah, we're finished. I'm just looking at uh, the clock, and it is forever o'clock, man. <laughs> so we did enjoy uh, talking to each other as we did. The clock uh, on the wall we... says it's broken. Yeah. The clock on the wall says, what's wrong with you? Why are you still here? Get the hell out. That it's talking means you're crazy. And it's time to go to bed. Yes, I think we entered like question and answer show length this episode. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's good night for me and it's good night from him. Good night. Good night. Good night.